political football. My name is Dave. I'm here with Cleve, a part of the Mad Media Network. Scott will be joining us about 8.30 or so as we discuss the North Divisions this week. Cleve, how you doing? Good, I guess. <laughs> it's a long summer. Good, you guess. Long Why are you summer. just guessing? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, disclaimer, I'm not into football until football starts. So, like, this preseason stuff, after meeting you and Matt, guys kind of convinced me that it doesn't matter and everyone's going crazy over every little thing that people are doing. Uh, If a quarterback who's picked in the first round doesn't have a great preseason game against ones and twos, (laughs) they're trash. And then someone has a a great 80-yard bomb, they're they're fitting them for a jacket. So... (laughs) So fair enough. Let me uh um let me let me make two two well one counter argument and one one argument in support of you. So the first is that the counter argument football never stops. Um, the NFL specifically, it may be for like three weeks in the summer, um, and that's only if we're mm-hmm. lucky and nothing actually happens. But uh, they've done such a great job with the calendar that the sport itself never actually takes never takes any time off. It's sort of like soccer in that sense. Like they're playing soccer year round, they're not playing their leagues, they're playing in international tournaments or something like that. Um, the second thing is that you're right, people react way too much to everything in the preseason, and not everything in the preseason is worth reacting to. So it doesn't really matter if a player makes one great play. Yo, what's up, Ben? What's up, ben? Uh saw Ben this past weekend. <clears throat> that was great. Um so it doesn't it doesn't really like um yeah so one big play doesn't matter however for rookies and seeing how they look how their college game translates to the NFL and seeing how different players are used like which packages are used with so for example while the starters were on the field while Trevor Lawrence was in the game the Jaguars used Tank Bigsby on short yardage plays and near the goal line, and not Travis Etienne. That is telling for Travis Etienne, if you're thinking about what this team might look like going forward, that he might be a between-the-20s, right, passing distance, running back, and not a full, all-the-time sort of running back. So you can you can glean some things like that, who's playing with who and who's in with whoever else, but you're right. If some guy makes some amazing play and gets a bunch of future UPS drivers, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing uh, uh, the type of stuff I'm seeing all over the place, um, a lot of these forums that, I, that I'm in. Uh, when the Jets are 7-7 seven and seven, <laughs> or 3-10, or and 10, it's going to be like it's going to be epic implosion. Uh, not that I'm wishing my team that kind of thing, but I'm I'm not I'm not on a hype train just yet. I want to see what the first four weeks look like um, with everyone in you know everyone in uniform and everyone playing the ones playing with the ones and what our backups look like and things like that. So, yeah, have you been watching Hard Knocks? Um, here and there, here and there. I um try to catch it when I can. I usually I'm usually like a day behind it. Yeah, um, same. Just you know, well, just the way my weekend goes. So yeah, well, we 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 go off air right before it debuts every week. So I'm usually editing the show, so I usually watch it the yeah. next day. But last week we got to see uh, a lot of coverage of Will McDonald, the the first round edge rusher that they took, and he was mm-hmm. known in college for being fast, explosive off the edge, good pass <clears> rush <throat> moves. 
but being a little light, how would he hold up against the run? So the yeah. main thing you want to see from him in the preseason is, is he fast and explosive off the edge? Does he still have good pass rush moves? Right? Because if he doesn't, yeah. that's a really bad sign. Right? So yeah. he does, which which doesn't mean he's, you know, the next Lawrence Taylor. It just means he's not, he's probably not also going to be an absolute bust, right? What he was supposed to do, he already is able to show. And it's athletic-based, not really skill-based. So you can you know, take away some of that sort of thing. Last night in the game, Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College, <laughs> explosive, elusive with the ball in his hands, catches a crossing route for the Ravens, jukes two guys, sprints in the end zone. Exactly, right? That's exactly what you want to see from Zay Flowers. He's mm-hmm. done. There's nothing we're going to learn from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers could throw eight interceptions, yeah. or eight touchdowns. Doesn't matter. Yep. We've seen that he's got a body of work. Right, exactly. So you're right. Everybody reacts way too much to everything in the preseason instead of just really keeping an eye out for what might actually be, you know, um, signal and all the noise that we get during the preseason. Um, and you sent an interesting uh, um, thing offline to me and Matt. And I didn't realize the Trent Richardson thing was that like 10 years ago. It's 10 years ago. I can't believe that. I, I, I thought that was like in 2016, 2017. Like I, that was like fresh in my head. I'm like, holy, it's been 2013. Wow. I wasn't even married yet. (laughs) Um, so what Cleve was referencing is I sent a uh, list of some prominent trades for top running backs, uh, from NFL recent history since Jonathan Taylor of the Colts has been given permission to, to seek a trade here. And this is what I wanted to talk about next. You know, Trent Richardson, the Colts gave up a first-round pick for, but Marshall Falk only got a second and a fifth. Wow. So, you know, it's all over the place, but Austin Eckler was given permission to seek a trade. He's back with the Chargers. Yeah, that, 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 I think that's what they're hoping will happen, is that from what they're asking, yeah. a team is going to be either desperate or crazy, or desperate and crazy. Well, to me, it depends on who told him to go ahead and look for a trade. If it was the GM, I agree with you. Smart, reasoned, competent. If it was Jim Ursay, he's probably <laughs> on one, got fed up, you know, <laughs> you know, on the phone, screaming, screaming at the plug. Hey, what are we going to do with Jonathan Taylor? Nah, so- I mean, honestly, I have to give you your flowers on this because in uh, in the last couple of weeks that we've been talking about this stuff with the running backs, um, Josh Jacobs did lead the league, like, and then he's getting treated like second class, right? You know, like, so, so yeah. What? Who else is gonna? Who else is gonna walk into that into uh, free agency? Like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call my shot here. No, you're not. If if yeah. that guy couldn't get a, a look or Eckler couldn't get a look, what do you think is gonna happen? It's crazy, right. bro. No, Jonathan Taylor. Saquon, Saquon took the first deal that he got, huh? Uh, so Saquon did take the best deal he could have possibly gotten under the circumstances because they yeah. can't do a long-term deal after the season now on the franchise yeah. tag. Jonathan yep. Taylor is a year away from that, so he's trying to get his extension ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and he's a lot younger than than uh, Austin Eckler. And, you know, what's interesting to think about is like um, as a thought exercise, oh, what teams could use Jonathan Taylor? And it's like all the good ones mm-hmm. except San Francisco. Yeah, they, but yeah, that but, but that tells you that you don't need a running back to be a good team because all yeah. the good teams don't have one. Yeah, that is true. Right. Good point. And if I was the Chiefs, I'd probably be willing to trade a first round pick for Jonathan Taylor because the first round pick's going to be like twenty seven or later, right? 
They're trying to get exactly in there. Smart. Yeah, right. That's they got smart. for one more year, but Taylor wants a contract extension, and they're not going to do it. Nobody's going to pay him what he wants for as long as he wants. What's the What's the going? What is it? Uh, what's Saquon got? Or like, what's the going? So uh, the franchise tag right now for running backs, I believe, is ten million dollars per year, maybe ten and a half. Wow. Saquon was able to get like a couple more in there with incentives that he will hit if he doesn't get hurt. It's okay. like a hundred carries and eight hundred yards, like you know, minimal yeah. stuff. But it's well, the but that's it. That's the best he could do. His so last season was his first full season, right? His rookie year. Is his rookie year when did so he got hurt? Is he on year four or five? Going into year five. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why. It feels like the league is to me like everything's standing still. And I mean, I can't believe he's he's been in five years now. Yeah, he came he came out twenty eighteen. Wow. Insane. I guess COVID, COVID is is those two years, whatever, just kind of like made things kind of feel funny. So yeah, yeah. They, well, and to me, the years this is season four of political football, and it still feels like season one. <laughs> the good old days, right? Maybe season two. So to me, that's kind of where they um they run together there. But in your mind, Cleve, who would be a great team that you'd love to see? Jonathan Taylor, who led the NFL in rushing just two years ago. He's 24 years old, and he's a Jersey guy. Where would you uh, like to see? I mean, obviously, obviously, we don't need him because we just we just signed. We have two great backs already. But um, if if I'm being honest, uh, either uh, Cincy or the Browns with, with Nick Chubb already, they're not going to trade for him. Yeah, well, that I would like to see him is what I'm saying. Like, oh, uh, just because they run the ball so well. So correct. Have- yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. thinking about teams like for me when when you say because we talked about teams that don't need one, right? right? That that can win. Well, not don't need a one. They, they can win without one. <laughs> right. So the teams that 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 can use a back, um, because they run heavy. Packages are run heavy. Would be that the the Chiefs would be a really good landing spot though because the mix of um of of Mahomes. Ad-libbing and then this this guy just gashing you, right? It'll be, it'll be a nightmare, right. right? I think I think Jonathan Taylor makes it hard to play any sort of too high coverage consistently, and yeah. so the Chiefs would be a good fit. What about the Eagles? That was another one that came to mind too. You know, they they're I mean they got their pass packages you know set up, but heavy heavy run team, and you know they could have used that in the Super Bowl because that's what Jalen Hurts had to do. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also because Miles Sanders did get hurt in the Super Bowl, but that's the yeah. thing. The Miles Sanders walk, right? Yeah. You know, they have DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, uh, Boston Scott, somebody I can't remember, so who cares? Mm-hmm. And Boston Scott makes the most out of all of them. Mm. Who's you know? Miami's running back? Uh, so they have Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson Jr., and they drafted Devin A. Chain out of Texas A&M, who is a blazing fast but weighs 185 pounds. Mm. So, um, yeah, Miami, of course, would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I always think about them. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um, and then another sneaky one that I'd really like, I mean, I personally wouldn't like, I would hate this, um, is Chicago. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, again, yeah, teams that, yeah, and and they have a running quarterback. So, yeah, right. you're you're – you're eight in the box, <laughs> and then Justin's gonna let it rip. Right, just zone read all day. Pick, pick who you want. Um, so 
yeah, those are the two the the two main things going on right now. Preseason, of course, which again, it doesn't matter who wins or who loses, even though the Ravens did just lose for the yeah. first time since 2015. Um, was that 24 games? Yeah, something like that. Uh, wow. And then Jonathan Taylor requesting requesting a trade here. So, yeah, Scott will be joining us here in a little bit as uh, his team a bit wraps up football practice. He'll be getting back about 8.30 or so. So we're going to start with the AFC North team's first, Cleve. I assume that's okay with you. That's fine. All right, here we go. Let me uh, pull this up here. Obviously, I have my absolutely fantastic – my fantastic uh, document that I always have. Remember, if you make any comments on my document, you have to fight Cleve. All right. So I don't know who that is, <laughs> if that's a real person. Well, the person doesn't matter. What do you notice about this person, Cleve? They have Trump hands? That's correct. They have <laughs> Trump hands, or in this case, Kenny Pickett hands. <laughs> so for fourth place, um, for fourth place here in the AFC North, I do have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, you and I are in disagreement here, at least based on what you said a couple weeks ago. We're in disagreement. We'll see if that holds up. Uh, Last year, they go 9-8, third in the AFC North. Win total this year, 8.5. You said they'd win 10 games this year. So you're kind of in on Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think think, um, for the first time in forever, Tomlin is going to have to sing for his supper. Um, You know, he's going to have to show and prove what he got here. So I, I agree with you. We just disagree on how this is going to go. So they elected to stick with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, which you would expect. They took him 20th overall last year, and he wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. But they also retained Matt Canada as offensive coordinator. So my question, Cleve, is is it better to have your second-year QB switch offensive coordinators uh, or stick with a bad one? Because there's two bad have, options. Yeah. So the lesser of two evils will be just we can we can switch OCs because we've already seen the other one. We've We've seen the – the bad shit go down. And again, kind of, I think Tomlin is going to make it a break it year. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I thought too, but they chose to stick with the same, same offensive coordinator. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in Pittsburgh and he's been there for about a hundred years. That's the one thing about that franchise. That's impressive. Like their coaching lineage. Like when you look at that versus like a lot of teams, like my team. Yeah. Like, like our team. Yeah. How many people have come through those doors to have, what is it? Three guys. Yeah. And by the it's way, for those of you who insane. are listening, please are listening on audio. Thank you. It is a YouTube live stream. Link in the show notes down below. Cleve is wearing his Jets hat, and I am wearing my Lions, my brand new Lions hoodie. In case you're wondering who our teams are, and I can't even estimate how many coaches the Lions have had in my lifetime, but it's more than three, which is what the Steelers have had. Yeah, that that's that's very impressive. Like that that is very right. impressive for for a right. franchise. And you were born in like 1948, and it's still only three. <laughs> Player coaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now here's here's my uh my my hot take here. The 2024 head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers will be Jim Harbaugh. Oh, you think he's getting out of Lansing? <laughs> Lansing, you're fired. When, uh, auditions oh, open, open oh, for sorry. co-hosts. That's it. What um what is it? Ann Arbor. There we go. Ann Arbor. Yeah. Listen, we can't all be Piscataway, okay? So he got he got suspended by the school yeah. for three games. Yes. Because of alleged tampering during the COVID years. So this is this entire story is is completely bonkers um and very layered. So I don't want to get too far into it here. But yeah. basically during the COVID dead period. Yeah. Some recruits who were local, because Ann Arbor is only 
30 minutes from Detroit, right? Yeah. Uh, came to campus, already committed to Michigan, right? They okay. came to campus, whatever, which is fine. They weren't supposed to meet with the coach. Well, they hung out with the coach at one of the local bars called the Brown Jug. Um, this is like a level two violation, whatever. Well, the NCAA is just losing their mind over this because the NCAA needs schools to cooperate with them for their investigations because they're toothless. Michigan, of course, doesn't want to be seen as cheating or anything like that. So they're cooperating the investigation. So the NCAA is like trying to go all in on it. Michigan tried to negotiate a four-game suspension for the coach this year for this. NCAA kind of bought that. It leaked that that was a thing. So the coach, so now Michigan just came back. It's like, well, we're doing three, and that's it. Yeah, three non-conference. <laughs> yeah, it's UNLV, East Carolina, and Bowling Green. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> Although the first conference game is Rutgers, so it's almost the same. So to, before we get off this, so so the optics here, if I'm trying to cover up something, why would I meet at a local spot like like the Brown Jug or whatever you call that spot versus like, oh, we met in the, in the athletic uh, office of the AD or whatever, or we met in the – on the on the um, you know in the stadium you know like they met in a public place where people would see every everyone would see everybody so I, that's kind of weird, right? Well, the thing is, is that it was only not okay because of some special rule changes during COVID, right? Oh, so he so he got he got violated because of right, but he's yeah. but he but he's not in trouble. They're not in trouble for meeting. It's because the NCAA was was trying to ask Harbaugh about it and was like, did you do anything? And Harbaugh said, no, I haven't. Because in wow. his mind, he hadn't, right? Because yeah. it was only different because of the COVID thing. He didn't agree with the rule change anyways because they're right down the road. Who cares? And who are yeah. you? So basically, yeah. he told the NCAA to fuck off. And so now they're mad and they're trying to do something. Um, the problem is that the head, co- the former head coach at Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, got busted handing out McDonald's bags full of cash to recruits. Um <laughs> And when asked about it, he said he was doing it because he felt bad about um uh, George Floyd. Um wow. Jeremy Pruitt White, by the way. Uh so I was just disingenuous or whatever. Yeah. Well, the state of Tennessee has a law. So the NCAA tried to tell Tennessee they're gonna be banned from postseason play for a year or two. That okay. of course has huge financial ramifications on the state school. State has a law that says you basically can't do that. So the state attorney general was like, if you ban Tennessee from the college football playoff, we will see you in court. <laughs> and we will, yeah, we, we will, yeah, we have, entire organization. We have, yeah, we have home games that uh, people got to get paid for. We got concession right. stands going, we got parking attendants, security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. And so they are uh, something else. Right. And so I'm pretty sure that pretty soon every state is going to have laws <laughs> adopt the law. To, yeah. uh, Good for them. Um, yeah. Uh, so Ben saying that he got the suspension pushed for a year. So Harbaugh is definitely going pro next year. That's not, that's not exactly true. Michigan always wanted suspension this year because their schedule next year is very hard. Not only do USA and UCLA, Washington, Oregon join the conference, they play Texas, uh, in the non-conference as opposed to UNLV. So they definitely wanted any suspension to happen this year, not next year. So Michigan's not trying to push it. The NCAA now is slow walking it because they, uh, who knows, uh, it's a dying organization. Yeah. They're, they're in two years, not going to matter at all. So now Michigan just said, no, this is what we're doing. It's three games. It's this year. That's that. After that, we're just ignoring you. Yeah. So, off. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those situations where, like, you know, but I think he's going pro next year because I think Michigan's going to win the Big Ten and make the playoff again this year for the third straight year. Mm-hmm. And whether they win a national championship or not, you make the playoff three years in a row, you've kind of 
call your plate. You kind of you kind of done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And he'll be fifty nine, I think. So if he wants to, he wants one more shot at the NFL. He can go to Pittsburgh. Of course, his brother is the head coach of Baltimore. Mm. So rivals in the division. You know, his brother beat him in the Super Bowl, right? Because he was the coach of 49ers when the power went out. Yeah. So you know, so, I mean, you know, that's just biting. It's, yeah, him, it's so. yeah, it's 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 Thanksgiving um chatter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so that's that's what's happening there. But the whole the whole thing is silly. Like I, I do kind of wish that Michigan's athletic director Warren Manuel was one of the eight people left on the planet that takes the NCAA seriously. Mm. Right. Um Jake. What's up, Jake? Um, unfortunately, no Photoshop this week because busy having yet another wedding reception this weekend. So no uh no photoshops this week, Cleve. You're safe. Okay. I thought Jacob was asking where where is his handiwork? And I'm like, yeah. there's another one. Yeah. God, uh, another no one? promises for next week, though. No promises for next week. <laughs> um, well, we'll see about that. Now, uh, draft class is here for Pittsburgh. First round through Broderick Jones out of Georgia, former five-star prospect, showed up, started, I think, as a sophomore. Kind of underwhelmed in college, but I'm not an offensive line guy, so I can't really tell you why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Obviously, super athletic, you know, huge. Um, second round pick there, Cleve, Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, so I saw that when I when the draft happened, I saw him talking to his son about they're going to see a pissed off football player, and I, I figured it because of the way he went. Um, yeah. As far as numbers, is he good? Is he is he a good player? Yes, he's good. Okay. Uh, he's a he's a defensive back. He's a corner, not a linebacker like his yeah, dad. Yeah, like his but dad. But if yeah. you notice there, it says um, round two, pick thirty two. Yeah, because remember the Dolphins didn't have a first round pick this year; they had to forfeit it because they tampered and didn't get what they wanted. Um, mm. So uh, he, in any other year, he's a first round pick because it's the, it's a thirty second overall pick. And remember, Pittsburgh had this pick because they traded Chase Claypool to the Bears for the Bears yeah. second round pick. Yeah, so that should have wow. been the Bears picking right there. So that's mm. brutal for them. Um, but yeah, basically every team in the league passed on Joey Porter Jr. and so. And he was real. He was in the green room. He was really upset about it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, when guys don't go first, first round, it's 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 a massive chip. Yeah, on the shoulder there. Yeah, but he's already looking good here in the preseason. Uh, third round pick, ninety three, Darnell Washington. That's that giant tight end out of Georgia, Cleve, the one who was on the the blocking sled, just like pushed it like it yeah, was yeah. a shopping cart. Um, he's already destroying the preseason, being deployed with the first team, all 12 personnel packages. Um, apparently, on like his first run blocking rep in camp, he obliterated TJ Watt. Wow. Like it just erased him from the play. Showing up, showing up, making making friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um he, he fell because he had a um uh some sort of knee issue that wasn't really widely discussed, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a good pick. The rest of these players, I don't know. Um, I mean, I know Nick Herbig because he went to Wisconsin. But he's just your standard white boy, Wisconsin linebacker. I don't know if he's going to be good or not. Um, all right, so Pittsburgh is in fourth in the AFC North in my predictions, which I think is standard. Not for you, though. Who do I have in third place, do you think? This is their black and blue division. Yes, yeah, so I say, so is it? Is so it, it, ain't, your, it ain't the is Ravens. It, is it your Bengals, my Ravens, or the Lord's Browns? Well, it's got to be the Browns. 
Yeah, it's got to be the Browns. It is. Oh, <laughs> that's it's a little <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> For those who can't see this, it's a little fucked up. It's a picture of Danny Trejo in a prison outfit from a mid '90s movie. If you know, you know. Um, is that from American Me? No, it's from Con Air. Con Air. Oh, okay. Um. So, yeah. If you know, if you know, you know. If you don't know, well, think big. Has something to say about you. Anyways, seven to ten last year, fourth in the AFC North. This year, the Vegas win total was nine and a half. Cleed, you said seven. Yeah. So you are you're definitely out on them this year because we know what you think of the Bengals. So you think they're the worst team in this division? Yes, by far. Does this mean that you don't see um Deshaun Watson bouncing back to his like to his Houston form I, on the field? I think um and this is my honest to God thinking about uh when it comes to play, you know, you know how like um you know, when guys miss a miss a few months or whatever, rehabbing injury or stepping away for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and they come back. I don't think he's football speed. And we're going to find out if – I don't think we're going to see the same Watson from, from the Houston days. I really think he's going to be a different player altogether. Not not that, not that he's going to be bad, but I just I just don't – I think those years have passed him by. And he uh, – in, in the suspension year, I think he's, you know – he got to heal up, I guess, whatever, but I don't think he's gonna be the same guy. How old is Deshaun Watson? Is he is he 31? He's 26. 26? Yeah. Wow. He, remember, he came in the same year as Mahomes. He was in that draft. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's still really young, especially for a quarterback. I tend to think he's going to revert back closer to his previous form on the field. Um, and, you know, this team, you know, if you just put Houston Texans Deshaun Watson on this roster, mm-hmm. like this would be a fantastic roster. Did you forget Amari Cooper's on this team? Because I did for a minute. I did too. <laughs> I, forgot. I forgot. Yeah. And he was good last year. So they got Nick Chubb. They got Amari Cooper. They got Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward on defense. It's they, a good squad. They still got a Joku? Yep, they still got David Njoku. He's still there. Wow. Yeah, he, I mean, he's got the weaponry. And they traded for Elijah Moore from the Jets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. who was only on the outs with the Jets for, like, personality conflicts with the coach. Yeah, which I, which hard knocks for me. I think it they pull up to the cameras. <laughs> I think they put a little bit extra on it for the cameras. I, I could see how Robert Salah would rub some guys the wrong way. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't want to talk too much about him because he's a Michigan guy, but he's also a Michigan State guy. So I guess I'll talk about him a little bit. But um, yeah, it just I can see where he could be grading to a like not mm-hmm. that he's wrong or anything, but I can just see where some people would be like, I don't need to do anything to do with this guy. Yeah, again, when you when you're talking to grown men like that, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to swallow, you know. Right. Now, on the other hand, like some of the things he says do make sense and he's in a tough position because the offense was kind of trash mm-hmm. except for Garrett Wilson and Bruce Hall who are really good and the defense was great and so the team kind of collectively underachieved and overachieved all at once so I don't even know how you would approach that going to the next year and you're bringing in the Hall of Fame quarterback what? so like do you treat them like like they've accomplished something because they haven't really but the defense kind of has 
see, he lost, and again, we're supposed to be talking about the Browns, but he lost to me when he just rolled with Zach when Zach wasn't good. Like, I, I don't know, maybe you got to get the best out of a guy, but it just wasn't happening. And he, he just like, I'm sticking with him until it just couldn't, until he couldn't. Yeah. 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 So the Browns, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, um, well, they, they are, they are good analogs because they both are kind of good rosters outside of the quarterback position who went out and got their quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and this is going to be our first full year seeing Watson with them. Now, the difference uh, between them is, of course, the Browns are a scumbag organization. <laughs> is it because of the Watson thing or just yes. everything after that? Yes. <laughs> the kitchens thing, the, the bakery yeah, thing. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's the Watson thing. And remember the, um, the reaction to it from the owner where he was like, oh, I'm sorry if I triggered you by signing to Sean Watson. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh uh, yeah, just scumbag organization, top to bottom. Um, I predict them to finish third this year in the division. But as I mentioned, they could win it, right? If they, if they get Pro Bowl caliber Deshaun Watson, they could win this division. Yeah, um, once you gave me, once you gave me the the complement of weaponry that he has, yeah, I, I could see where seven. I might be a little delusional there. That which I should have gotten the win, um, the Vegas win total. Should have gave him nine. Yeah, but again, they're in a tough division, right? If they get swept by Cincinnati and the Ravens, seven is going to be squarely on the nose. Yeah, right. So you know, it's it's a tough one. It's like you you didn't say four. No, 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 no. I think they're better than that. Yeah. Right. So um, I don't think it's I don't think it's ridiculous what uh, what you said here. The other thing too is that Nick Chubb is twenty eight, so it's now or never. Like he will be washed if not next year or the year after. So they have got to. If they're going to get it done, get it done now. But again, they have by far the best running back in the division, and we both think they're finishing third or fourth. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, their draft this year, notice no first or second round picks because they used them all to acquire Deshaun Watson. Um, Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, he's been looking okay in the preseason. Dewan Jones, fourth round pick of Ohio State, is an absolutely massive human being, um, and. Fifth round pick Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA and Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. Um, big recruiting battle between Michigan and UCLA that UCLA won. He struggled a lot in college. Four year player has looked really good in the preseason. Like, you know what I mean? Like, looks like he belongs. So, I meant to ask you this about about drafting. Well, especially the QB position, because obviously each. Uh, each conference, each school, um, some some coaches' philosophies. So is it harder for guys to, like, let's say they ran the air raid where he was. Let's, mm-hmm. I'm just just picking one. Is it hard for them? If is, Would it be hard for a quarterback to pivot to run something else? It depends. It depends on the, the quarterback. Usually they can determine that sort of thing in the interview process. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, the head coach at UCLA is Chip Kelly, so that's the offense they were running. <laughs> Um, old but, chip. but Pat, but Patrick Mahomes ran Cliff Kingsbury offense in college, in college because that was his college court uh, coach. Yeah. So, you know, I think whatever the process is for determining and finding quarterbacks, the NFL is really good at identifying which quarterbacks are going to be good. They're not always good at identifying which quarterbacks are going to be bad, but it's very difficult to get a good quarterback after the second round and usually after the first round 
right? The notable ones stick in our mind because of it. Dak, Russell Wilson, mm. right? Usually when it's a third-round quarterback, it's Kyle Trask or Davis Mills or whoever. And so there's tons of first-round busts, but mm. most of the good quarterbacks come in the first round. Like, they they can find them. They can find the good ones. They just aren't so good at eliminating the bad ones yet. Mm. Um, and neither gotcha. are we, right? Scott Scott really liked Zach Wilson. Um, I hated Josh Allen. You know, it just. <laughs> but so that I but everybody was like, <laughs> yeah, but everybody was like, oh, but these picks should be in the first round. Like nobody was like Zach Wilson should go in the fourth round. Yeah. Right, it was just like which order it should be in. So, um, you know, if a quarterback goes in the fifth round, they're probably not good. And by not good, I mean they're not going to be like a longtime starter. But he's already looking like a type of guy who, at minimum, is going to make forty million dollars over ten years holding the clipboard. Mm. All right, so we have two teams up to the AFC North. We know that you have the Bengals winning 15 games this year. So that means you have the Bengals winning the division. Who yes. do I have winning the division, though? Who do I have in second coming up here, Cleve? The Bengals or the Ravens? You have the Ravens. I do have the Ravens winning. That is correct. I didn't change the picture for the Bengals until, until like, they suck or something. <laughs> Joey B with the drip here is, um, uh, real quick, uh, Jake asked, what did you hate about Josh Allen at the time, uh, Dave? Same thing I would hate about if he came out now. Small school, not overly productive, didn't win a ton. Very, very inaccurate as a passer. I'll take the last one. I, the other stuff didn't matter to me. It's just I didn't think he – remember, we have tape of me, like, just bashing him. Like, yeah. Not bashing him, but I wasn't a fan. Yeah. And that was after seeing him for the end of his rookie year. That was even yeah. in the draft. Um, now – I was trying to tell you that he was going to be the breakout candidate that year. He's actually really good. And then yeah, no, no, yeah, you were. Yeah, you, yeah, no, no, no I, I gave but, him flowers for it. I gave but him that flowers. was only, but that was only after seeing him play as, as a rookie and seeing like the leaps he had already made. Mm-hmm. Um, if every single Josh Allen style prospect that comes out from here on out, I'm not going to like because Josh Allen is very athletic, but he's not overly athletic. He's just huge. He's athletic for his size, right? But he's not some yeah. world class, right? Yeah. He's not Anthony Richardson or Cam Newton or even Trey Lance in that regard, right? Um, and so that's why I didn't like Josh Allen coming out, and I wouldn't like another Josh Allen. Yeah, I don't like Will Levis, right? Similar things. Mm. Will Levis played in the SEC, right? He was he was Will <laughs> Levis that played at Wyoming. Of course, I didn't like him, and I was yeah. wrong. Um, <laughs> So here's a, here's a trip for Joe Burrow, who obviously I did like coming up, <laughs> coming out of school. Um, last year, 12 and four, first in the AFC North, lost in the AFC title game to Kansas City. Vegas win total this year, 11 and a half. You said 15. This is second straight year. You've said 15 for the Bengals. You're we don't, two weeks from now, we'll make our official predictions. But is this a Super Bowl team for you, do you think? Um, I mean, I would love to see Burrow get one. Um, I just think, yeah, they're one of the teams that, well, I already have my three teams that I'm think think that are going, but yeah, right now I would probably shave off two games, uh, for the, for the final prediction, but I'm very high on them still. Right. Yeah. You think they are just one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, bro is the truth, bro. Like he's, he's yes, he's, he's very good. <laughs> um, 
So last year for the Bengals, uh, this is last year for the Bengals before they need to spend 33% of their cap on three players. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins are all going to come up for contracts all at the same time. It's going to be a good problem to have. It is. <laughs> um, I'm curious, though, if they're going to retain T. Higgins. Mm. They're going to go, go to the draft or they're going to get someone else to fill for this, um, like a plug and play, like like you think like they're going to find someone else, same skill set, or you well, think it's going to go fresh? Finding somebody with the same skill set as T. Higgins might be a little hard, but we'll take a look at their draft here in a little bit, and we'll see what they might already be thinking. Mm-hmm. But um, if they don't, because T. Higgins was a second-round pick. He was the first pick of the second round, so there's no fifth-year option. If they don't extend him, they're almost for sure going to have to trade him, but that would have been this year. So I think their options are next year, either sign him as well, because they're obviously signing Burrow and Chase, or let him walk for free, mm. which seems rough. Yeah, a little bit. That's harsh. Right? <laughs> so to me, this team is almost kind of all in this year then, because they cannot, if they let him walk for free after this year, they'd better have a Super Bowl to show for it. Yeah. Because you could get you could get two first round picks for T Higgins probably at least a first and like a second, mm-hmm. right now. Like yeah, if he if he was on the chopping block right now, yes. that's what the, that's what he would he would fetch that. Yeah. Now you wouldn't trade him. You wouldn't trade him in the um in the AFC because you're trying to compete in the AFC. So you trade him to the NFC, but you could easily from I don't know the Detroit Lions, <laughs> <laughs> right? You could easily get that from from the Lions. Um. You could get it from most teams in the in the South, who are you know who think they might be able to compete because their division, their division is weak. Probably could have gotten it from the Cowboys for they signed Brandon Cooks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Giants. Yeah, no, there's a market for him. Right, exactly. There's a so, market for him. Right, and so if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, anti Higgins walks for free. That's going to be very brutal for them. Uh, yeah, Super Bowl caliber team could easily win this division and be the number one seed. So even though I don't have the win in the division, I am not low on the Bengals either. This team is very good. Uh, looking at the draft class here, Miles Murphy out of Clemson, DJ Turner out of Michigan, very fast, but makes horrible decisions with, about how to tackle. Um, Jordan Battle, safety out of Alabama. Then you see Charlie Jones, wide receiver out of Purdue, a.k.a. Chuck Sizzle. Chuck Sizzle. Guy had... I think like 117 catches last year. Wow. <laughs> he was he was absolutely absurd. Um, little slot guy. He'd be the Tyler Boyd replacement. Chase Brown out of Illinois. Don't know why he went so late. Just a really good, really productive running back. Ran a 4-4-1. People were concerned about his speed. Ran just fine at the combine. Sixth round, Andre Iosivas from Princeton. Wow, that took a tiger. Yes, he is. What was he in the Ivy League? He was the Ivy League or the national. He was the national heptathlon champion. One of those. What? Yeah. Heptathlon, pentathlon, decathlon. One what? of those. What's up, Scott? <laughs> Scott, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yep. I can got you, you now. All right. Here excellent. Welcome. Uh, hey, right. Scott, put you on the spot real quick. Yes. What sport? What what sport was Andre Eosivas from Princeton good at in college? Was it the decathlon? It was one of those? Um, yeah, no, I think he was really good the, at all. Uh, yes, 
Isn't there like 10 but, things? Yes. In the decaf line, yeah. It, it was one of those. It was one of those AF line. Right. Yes. Wow. Yeah, he's a spectacular, he's a spectacular athlete. He is. Yeah. It's um, a great letterman jacket he must have. Yeah. And so <laughs> we were talking, Cleve, we were talking at the start of the show about like what you can and can't glean from the preseason. Well, EO Sivas is out here like running real routes and catching the ball with his hands. And it's like, oh, oh, this might actually this might actually be a thing. <laughs> right. Or is it just, it's not just like, oh, you're a great athlete. You know, like when Usain Bolt tried to play soccer, it's like, oh, you're a great athlete. Now you're just out here sort of bumming around. He could actually be a thing. Brad Robbins, pitcher, uh, punter out of Michigan, um, epic mustache. So that's the Bengals. Scott, we're about to get to my first place team in the AFC North. I have Pittsburgh at the bottom, then Cleveland, then Cincinnati. What do you think of that? That is one of the toughest divisions to forecast because they could all – finish first and they could all finish last you think pittsburgh could finish do, first i do you think i do you think the browns could finish first i do i yeah. do too wow, wow. I, I i think right. pittsburgh with with uh kenny two gloves if he if he takes a step <laughs> um they have a great defense uh you know defense doing nothing but getting better if their offense is more effective and more efficient there they are <laughs> There's your Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Uh, hey, we're in the hallway of the uh, combine. You don't need to wear both your gloves to throw passes down the hallway. <laughs> but he did. Were they yeah. padded? I don't know. Just weird. Um, I, yeah, I think Baltimore probably wins it, but we're all thinking that with a new offensive coordinator, it's Todd Munkin, I believe. Uh, I would think that that would get them much more efficient throwing the ball, and then you and then you put Lamar in a situation where he's comfortable running. They should really that offense should go bananas. So um, I do, yeah, I do I do have Baltimore winning winning the AFC North here. Um, Cleve has the Bengals because well, actually I can't say that because he also has the the Ravens winning 15 games this year. So as Scott I, said, it's hard to predict this division. <laughs> Yeah, but you yeah. said the Bengals really Ravens both to win 15. So, Cleve, pick right now. Who wins it, the Bengals or the Ravens? Um, Like I said, I'm, I'm high on Burrow. Not that I, I don't like Lamar. I'm, I'm going to go with Burrow. Cincy. Okay. So, he's taking Cincy. Scott and I take it, taking the Ravens here. Yeah, 10-7 and seven last year, second AFC North. Lost to Cincinnati in the wild card round. Spelled Cincinnati wrong there. In the wild card round without Lamar. Remember, Lamar didn't play for like the last half of uh, the season last year because he had a Extremely minor knee injury, but no long-term contract. So he did the smart thing and sat out. He sure um, did. Uh, 10 wins according to Vegas, 15 according to Cleve. Get out here to their offseason. They fired offensive coordinator Greg Roman, hired offensive coordinator Todd Monk Munkin, like Scott was saying. He was the uh, offensive coordinator from Georgia the last couple of years, Cleve, won national title. Mm -hmm. Before that, he was the OC for the Bucks with Jameis Winston when they were throwing it all over the field. Hmm. They yeah, put they, Lamar. They like to they like to drive the ball down the field. Yes, risk or reward, huh? Well, with Jameis, yes, it's risk or reward. Hopefully, with everybody else, <laughs> but Georgia was just reward. Or with with Jameis, it was risk. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Jameis on the Bucks was was the box of chocolates with Forrest Gump. Like. <laughs> yeah, yep. that was that was that was a crazy year. Um. 
So they put Lamar on the trading block. No team was willing to trade two first and pay Lamar a fully guaranteed contract, which we're going to see this play out. There's a couple teams this year, the Colts, the Falcons, the Commanders, where as the season is going, go, going along, we're going to be like, what in the world were you thinking? Mm. Not going to get Lamar Jackson. Lamar did sign a, a contract well below his actual worth, a five-year, $260 million with $185 million guaranteed. Deshaun Watson got $230 million guaranteed. Therefore, Lamar Jackson is underpaid by at least $45 million. If if the barometer and, and we're holding that the market is what Deshaun Watson received, then they're all being underpaid. Yes. Dave yes. did say that. Yes. Um, and it's funny because we saw the running backs. Scott, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We saw the running backs um, like have this little meeting, like they're going to try to do something when they're never going to get paid. But Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert didn't do the same thing. They're no. all going to come out and be like, listen, Watson's the floor for any of us. <laughs> and that's that. It's going to require some of them not playing. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, but once Hurt signed, it was over, yeah. right? Yeah, all their yeah, leverage was gone. Right. Yeah. Um, J.K. Dobbins is kind of holding out, but not really. I think he's going to play. I don't think there's an issue there. And then Cleveland, remember this. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year, $15 million fully guaranteed deal. I mean, they're trying to get they're, – they're, like, putting their chips all to the center of the table on that one. Yeah. It sounds um, like he is, he is looking really, really good in camp. Like old, oh yeah, it's old August. Now. Yes, we'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens when they start playing. So one thing you can say about him is he's never, he's never not given everything he has. Very Correct. true. Yeah, he's yeah. a maximum effort guy, one hundred percent. Um, he's going to finish fourth on the team in receiving yards, though, for their fifteen million. <laughs> <laughs> they just need him to get into uh, certain packages. That's all they need him for. Yeah, well, they only need him for a certain time of the year. Just be really good for the first six weeks for Zay Flowers gets fully involved with Rashad Bateman's back from injury and then by Odell and we're off and running. So you think you think Flowers, uh Andrews, can't believe he got his name right. <laughs> um Bateman all are are more productive than Odell? Yes. Okay. Uh because Andrews obviously is. Yeah. Prime Mark Andrews is better at his position, the prime Odell Beckham was at his. Like, prime Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends of football. Great blocker, great receiver. You know, did you know last year that in ESPN's open score, a metric that measures how effective uh, receivers are getting open, Mark Andrews was fourth, not among tight ends, but among everybody? Yeah. The man is like Devontae Adams route level route runner. <laughs> he's, a, he's a route guy, huh? Yes. And... A, like effective run blocking tight end all at the same time. So he's so, athletic. Yeah. So Mark Andrews is is the truth. Um, Zay Flowers, I think, might lead the team in overall receptions, given how we saw him deployed in the preseason. And Rashad Bateman's got that get up and go that Odell used to have, but he doesn't anymore. That catch 10 yard slant. Next thing you know, 70 yards later, you're in the end zone. Mm. So that's why I think that all it would be nice to see that out of Bateman because he is super capable. It's just he's been, yes, you know, he's dinged up and yep, he's very talented. Yes, um, their draft class this year 22nd overall is Zay Flowers, aforementioned out of Boston College, five foot nine, not very big, but not too small. He's not like 155, he's not too, too at wall out here, but 
what is he, Scott? 180, 185 maybe? Yeah, Max. Yeah. I think that's going to be sort of like the the mold of most receivers we're going to see for a while in that five, you know, five nine to five eleven range, hundred and ninety pounds. Yeah, super shifty, super fast, great yes. route runners. Which is uh, why we're going to see a bunch of that. Which, as an aside, is why it's hard for me to want to trade you my six foot one hundred eighty pound five star for your six four two ten five star. Just saying. <laughs> Because I think you're right. Like Garrett Wilson is six foot one eighty five. Yeah, and Chris Olave is like right in there. I do think that is like going to be the prototypical wide receiver size here for a while. Yeah, and and they survive. They're fine. Yep. It's just the idea of this huge backside X receiver is sort of like a yeah, that's really doesn't exist all that much anymore. Yep. Uh, Cleve, another preseason player here, Trenton Simpson, third round pick, a linebacker out of Clemson. Last night, the uh, commanders are going for two play action roll out the little the H black comes behind the offensive line into the flat. He's wide open. Simpson sees it from the other side of the field, screams all the way across form tackle, hit him short on the two point conversion to tie the game. Sideline to sideline. Yep. Um, but importantly, recognized the play, got on his horse, got there, made the stick, right? Like the preseason itself doesn't matter, but being able to see that he can do that. Yeah. Right, yeah. that is important. So um, that was cool to see. Nobody else in here I really know that much. Andrew Voorhees tore his ACL at the Combine. He did, and then he proceeded to bench press the next day and threw up like 40 reps or whatever, 35 yes, reps of 235. Yeah. Wow. Like, out of freshly torn ACL, Cleef. Yeah. Wow. Talk about a different. guy that wants to make it. <laughs> He'll, he will make it. He was, he's one of those guys that if you, if you have the ability to just absorb a rush, like a red shirt year, um, yeah. he will play at the end in the NFL. He will play for a long time. Yep. Not at, probably not at a super high level, but you know, if he plays guard for you for seven or eight years and you yeah. draft him in round six, if he's when did, if, where did he round seven? Yeah. Seven. Like, yeah, seven, okay. Yeah. Yeah, if Andrew Voorhees is the worst player on your offensive line, you're gonna have a really good offensive line. Yeah. Um, or maybe he's swing tackle and it's yeah. that's what he gives you, you know. Okay, Cleve, I have I have a question here, kind of put you on the spot a little bit. How many reps at 225? What's the most you've ever done at once? At 225? Yeah, 225. Probably 17 or 18. That's are you serious? I mean that's mm-hmm. that's quite a that's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's, dude, you're a beast. I'll send you guys some videos. Well, I've sent you, some, I sent, I've sent you videos. Well, I've seen them, if... and it's like, yeah. dude. I mean, yeah. I've seen you put up two twenty five easily in person, but seventeen or eighteen. Like I thought you were going to say like nine or ten. I was going to make the no, point. No, no, no. Like, like look you said, how just crazy strong. Yeah, you said like, all guys are. Like oh, uh, <laughs> um, and, and Scott knows this. It's technique. It's technique. Yeah. Everything is technique. Scott doesn't know this because Scott yes. isn't doing this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. I'm, yes. I'm Tec- 49, Scott. So I still lift heavy when I can, but you know, there's obviously some um some you know some uh some joint issues, or whatever. But yeah, man, that's yeah, yeah in, I mean, in, like in, back, in, back in the day when you were yeah. 23, like the early 60s, you could yeah. do 17 or 18. <laughs> would yeah. it would it be embarrassing for me to tell you that when I was 52, I was repping out uh like 135 repping like, like rep 
to what three sets of like three sets of eight to ten range. Yeah, that's, that that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing that now for a warm up. I have a chick that does that for oh, a warm up. Oh. <laughs> 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 now I'm 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 training a strong woman right now, and she makes me very nervous and and very insecure. I'm like, man, she's throwing up weight. I'm like, shit. <laughs> but she's obviously a lot younger than me. But I'm like, man, you know, Father Time is uh, makes cowards of all of us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was gonna make the point because obviously, Cleve as a personal trainer, and you're very strong. Um, I was gonna be like, oh yeah, look at that. These the average NFL player can outlook, but that's not even true. So, no, so I mean, much for that point. Yeah, this is, I mean, I mean, you're talking years ago, but yeah, you know, benching is, that's the one thing in the combine that I do enjoy to watch guys rep out like that. Cause it, it does matter to me. Strength. Yeah. Yes. It's certainly along, certainly along the lines. I don't really care. I guess if like a great cornerback prospect can't lift all that much. But alignment should be able to do yes that yes plus it's competitiveness too it's it's uh hey there are there are 30 dudes in the room let's go you know yeah what was the record this year it was like 50 something it's like 50 something i don't think so what what did bossy smith do this year what he got there because I know in, in training for mozzie did 42 in ann arbor getting there was ready. a guy last year or this year did Shit. Chat, if you're there, if somebody can look up the record yeah. for most bench press reps in the combine. Um, but yeah, anyways, Andrew Voorhees right is going to be a productive player, but not this year because he tore his ACL at the combine. So, Justin Ernest, 51 reps in 1999. I'm, I'm, 1999. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 51 reps. Holy probably shit. never, probably never sniffed a, uh, a game. No. Just strong. Um, <laughs> probably got busted for PEDs. Maybe. Uh, allegedly, JK. I don't know what I need to say, but I'm casting aspersions out here. How many did Mark Gastineau do? Um, <laughs> Six trillion. <laughs> he picked up the bar, the bench, the trainer, two teammates. Um, all right. Well, my cat has joined the show here. Blocking my view of the screen. Give me one second. All right. So we're going to move on here to the NFC North. At some point during this, we are going to lose Cleve. Um, yeah. So, Cleve, yeah. whenever you're ready to go, just let us know. Yep. I'll get through the first. It was set. good to see you. You too, man. How's how's your team looking? Which team? The, the coaching. Coaching. Oh, let's talk about something else. Jesus. <laughs> no, we have the hardest, we have the hardest schedule in the state. Uh and it's just been a rough summer. That's just, you know. Um, you got a win. You got a windfall in mind yet, or no? No, I just. Uh, it's been a frustrating summer. It's been a hard summer. Everybody's working. We're all we're all kind of you know rowing the boat in the same direction kind of thing. But there are things that we're not. We're just not running good right now. Like you know, for our program. I'll make this brief for our program. If we lose five yards on the first play, we might as well punt on second down. I swear to God, Jesus. If anybody on our, in our, and if anybody on staff is listening to me say this, they're going to punch me in the face when they <laughs> see me. Um, and I should not be sharing this stuff because it's just, 
this is this isn't good to be sharing. Um, but we just there's some things that we do up front that we should not be allowing to happen still, and it's game week, and we need to figure it out. Is right? it is it a new crop of kids or the same kids that were there? Somewhat, but but it's also you can do everything in your power to put them in a position to be successful. And yeah. then it's up to them to do it. And yeah, it doesn't matter how much we want them to do it. It's it's up to them to do it. And it's frustrating watching a scrimmage where our right tackle just refuses to get out of his stance on a play and gets his face crossed. And we lose five or six yards on first down because he's just lazy and you doesn't want to. And, and he's tired. Teaching that it's a game of inches, bro. It doesn't, all that stuff doesn't matter. All the sexy we've, shit. We've game of fucking you know, inches. We're, we've exhausted all that stuff. So at this point, it's just like, we have good game plans. We have super smart coaches. Um, you know, uh, there's always conflicts with the, with decisions about how you want to do things and, mm-hmm. and how you want to approach coaching and that kind of stuff. But, um, I'm not nervous about our season. I think we're going to do fine. I think I think we're going to play fine at times. We're a very, we're very much a rhythm tempo team. When we get rolling, we stay rolling. It's just there yeah. are times when we can't get rolling. Uh like when when defenders cross our face at any level on our offensive line and we struggle to pick those guys up, we sort of just kind of go in the tank for a little bit. Right. Wait, so it's I like, mean, are these guys getting like stunted on? It's stunts that they're not picking up. Not necessarily or... stunts, but but like um, you know, if you think about a guard who's the play, the play is going to the guard's left, and yeah. he absolutely cannot have the defender go can win inside. He just can't. Correct. Yeah. You and pull. there are times when that'll happen, and it's like we just can't have those kind of run throughs. They're still happening. So when you run power. Uh, you can't have backside run throughs. You just can't have, you can't, you can't have run throughs and we still do. And as much as we want to try to teach certain things a certain way, we we're not making it happen. That's up to the kids to do it. It's kind of like a thing. Like, you know, you can't, I can't make my kids be uh 4.0 students. It's their responsibility to do that kind of work. As much as I want that for them, doesn't matter what I want for them. So mm. Um, so I'll just, we get, uh, we get, uh, we, you know, we, we kick off Thursday. I'm excited for it. It's good. All right. Good luck with the season, brother. Thanks, man. So Appreciate just, it. Just, just as a point of clarification for listeners who might not know, while Scott is out here talking very candidly about the offensive line, uh, Scott, what position on this team do you coach? The offensive line. Right. So he is it. He, so you're like, going to make it break it year. <laughs> Right. He isn't like the linebackers coach just talking mad shit about somebody somewhere else on the team. He is talking no, no. about the foot position he And it's not I, I mean I we have a great offensive line. We have super skilled players. They work their ass off. You know, they do everything we we ask them to do. They play hard most of the time. They do all of those things. Yet going into the season there's always little hesitations about what is it that we've missed or where what are we going to struggle with? And in week one, we get a big team with some dudes and, you know, um, we should be able to handle our business, but, you know, we'll see. Do you guys play Belleville this year? No. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say that. It depends on how far we progress in the playoffs. Right, but not in the regular season. No. Did you? No, we're in the OAA Red, which is Oakland Activities Association. 
Okay. It is the best conference in the state of Michigan, and it's really not close. Wow. Um, just from top to bottom, it's loaded. It's so loaded. Cleve, There's the reason, no recall. Cleve, the reason I asked about Belleville, which is the town right next to where I'm from, um, the top kid in the top 2025 class is a quarterback at Belleville. Oh, wow. So, Stud. Uh, who's, yes, uh, Bryce Underwood, who's going to either Michigan or LSU. Uh, so this at is going to be a time. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This he time. But bud, yeah. So that's why I asked about Belleville in, in particular. So, um, yeah. So this is your Michigan high school athletic uh, football, high school I'm football. Glad I, I'm glad I was, I came in for this. <laughs> well, 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 like I said, I know that you've been, you know, busy coaching and, you know, um, I mean, I haven't been around that, that type of stuff in forever. So I, I know that you're, you know, your juices get flowing. Are you are you a guy that curses or you don't have to say? No, like, you, you know, I mean, I swear all the time. The language thing is, but I don't yell. Gotcha. Like, okay. There's, there's, okay. I'm not that guy. There's no. You're uh, literally Walter White. <laughs> there's no, in, like, I'm not the guy manufacturing intensity and screaming at them for mistakes that they made that they know they've made. Yeah. So you'll never work for the Jets. Yeah, I'm never yeah. gonna. This is it. I mean, this is like the pinnacle of what I'll be doing. Um, but like you know, I think my role is more to try to explain and get them thinking about why. Think like, hey, uh, you're dropping your head, kind of stuff in pass pro. Let's fix that. Yeah. Right. Why are you dropping your head? Or you're turning your shoulders. There's a very easy way to fix that, which is to you know keep your your knee pointed at the line of scrimmage so you don't open your open up your hips which then which then will allow you to turn it's more cerebral just let's let's talk about what we're doing and then implement these things in our drills kind of stuff so gotcha gotcha okay. yeah okay. yeah and it's hard you know to line is hard there's a yes. there's a defensive line they want to beat you you know they want to physically beat you so mm-hmm. offensive line it's also just hard to understand like i've tried to learn more about it and it's like it's like trying to learn physics. Yeah, right? no, there's a lot of math. There's a lot of angles. There's you know, mm-hmm. all, yeah. there's so much. Do you want to play? Do you want to play long? Do you want to play uh, more physical and shorter? Meaning, do you want to use your hands and play long with extended with long extended arms, or do you want to use your shoulders and move bodies with your shoulders, but then be kind of in tight? And there are good things and bad things each way. Uh, it's more tailored to me to like how you want to win at the first level or the second level. You can't lose at the first level. Like I said earlier, like if we, if we, you know, play one, we lose five yards. I'm going to advocate that we punt on second down because, because we're not, you know, we're just not built to um, recover from those. So we got to stay, we have to stay ahead of the sticks and in, and in, you know, in schedule Uh, and then we'll be fine. And this week we get a team that's got some dudes. They have a, a running or a run, running back receiver who's going to Michigan. Uh, they have dudes. You know, mm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Did you get before we move on? Did you guys? And if you haven't, I'll send it to you. On, it's on TikTok. Darnell Dockett's like his high school. His high school. Yes, um, I saw. It. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Did you see it? Bl- yeah, hey, Dave. He was blasting guys off the ball. Like <laughs> it was, was unbelievable. He could have played in the NFL like from that game. He insane, yeah, insane, bro. You, I, I'll send it to you, Dave. If you haven't seen it, it's insane. It's funny, okay. Dave. You'll actually, you'll, you'll giggle at it. It's, it's yeah. that crazy. 
Was it uh right. was it kind of like um Darnell Washington with the blocking said? Yes, but it was um even bigger high big high school kids who he made look like they were tiny. Yeah, he, uh, it, it was literally playing with children. Yes. And he was just blowing them up. He's oh bro. <laughs> Off the yeah. ball. Yep. Off the ball. Okay, hang on just real quick. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say who it is, but on the show, but I figured out who y'all are playing this week. I, yeah, that's, that's y'all going to learn real quick. <laughs> I was scrolling through Michigan's commitments. I figured out which, who it is that you're playing against. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. I thought you were playing against one kid in particular, but he's from Cincinnati. So it's like, it's not, it's not him. No. And, and that's the thing is like, they can have this kid going to Michigan and he's a really good player and he's fast and all those things. But we can handle that as long as we do everything else good. You know, like we handle everything else right. We're, we're fine. Yeah. Offensively, we're going to be fine. We're going to move the ball. We're going to score. We're going to do all those things. It's just, you know, the speed and some of the so the speed and some of the size, um, especially on their edge players, their edge players are big. So they, you know, they, they may give us some fits, but then you then you throw in like kick kind of power kick type stuff where, you know, uh, the backside guard may just come across the formation and rock a dude, you know, kick block kind of thing and get him slowed down. So, I mean, there's things we can do, but we're good. We have good coaches. We have a really smart coordinator. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be, you know, it's exciting to get it going. Well, I, I can't wait to follow along online with the, with the team and see how you guys are how you guys are doing this year. Um, if you ever do something to demonstrably show up and just demonstrably start yelling and screaming and cussing at the kids, I'll give you Cleve's number. That's <laughs> <laughs> just not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not my role. That's not my vibe. We're, you know, like the shit, that, the shit that our high school coaches said to us and did to us, bro. It's like, it would be criminal today, but you know, I, I would run through a wall for any of those guys right now. Well, yeah, but Cleve, you also played high school ball before the Voting Rights Act, so it was a different time. Leather I'm a leatherhead. <laughs> but if I mean, if they said these crazy things to you, to, to you, and you're still willing to run through walls for them, yeah, it no, sounds like well, they did a pretty good job. Yeah, well, you know what it is is that is that I when I was a kid, I thought football was supposed to be fun, right? Like yeah. it's oh, you fuck around, you come, you know, run out there, and no, it, this is it's like it's your you're like you said, it's your will against someone else, and you're getting beat on every play. Like this guy's beating like a drum, and yeah. they're talking shit. And I, I I grew up in a very small town in, in New Jersey where people would go like the you know carnival with their Letterman jackets on, and then that shit would be oh, it would cause problems. Yeah, it would cause problems. So yeah, yep, football. It's definitely a different I time. It. it is uh yes, sir. It'll be fascinating this year to see how this goes. All right. Yep. Speaking of people right. who would get who would start shit for wearing the wrong Letterman jacket, the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Uh. <laughs> Are they playing Creed in this picture? <laughs> you know they are. Cleve, I will give you one American dollar if you start singing a Creed song right now. Oh my god. Bad, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had nothing. I got you're nothing. not missing out. You're not missing out. 
to be fair, their first album had a couple of really great songs on it, and then it was all downhill from there. Um, so I have the Minnesota Vikings finishing fourth in the NFC North this year. If you'll recall, they went 13 of four last year and won the division. So this is quite the flip here, but they were extremely fraudulent. Um, remember, they won like seven games by three points or less. They had the crazy catch from Justin Jefferson to beat the Bills in Buffalo, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, lost at home to the Giants in the wild card round. Now, their Vegas win total was eight and a half. Cleve, you said 11. So you are obviously more in on this team than mm-hmm. I am. Um, what are your thoughts here about this team going into this year? Same thing. Um, I'm going to keep my my windfall for them at, at 11 because, again, what, what happened last year, and I think they, they fluked out. You know, the Giants, they shouldn't have lost that game, but football any given Sunday or Saturday whatever um but, but um, is it basically low like, oh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson you, like that's a floor of like eight wins right yeah, there yeah I mean just just them showing up in sync um it's good to go so all right so Scott Cleve has so many 11 games I have them finishing last in this division where are you at on this on this scale well I don't think they're I would not consider them the division favorite and I would not consider them um, because of like Justin Jefferson and Cousins, who is still productive. I think I think he had like 29 touchdown passes last year. I could be wrong. Yep. Um, I don't think they're going to finish at the bottom, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were in the middle there. Uh, you know, uh, See, here's the thing. Is tough. Uh, I would say they'd be like third for me. Right, but here's the thing: you can't really. You, this is what, where I was. How I came to this conclusion myself: you can't really make an argument for them. It's just no. kind of like, well, they've got cousins. Obviously, Jefferson is great. Like, you know. It, but last year, the Raiders had Derek Carr and Devontae Adams is great, and they were terrible. Right, like yes. you can you can finish. That's not that's not enough. And the defense on this team was bad last year. It's going to be worse this year. Yeah. They've lost some bodies and it's just, it's, it's definitely going in the wrong direction for, for um, the, what I would say is the, the summer of cousins, career. I think we're seeing towards the end here. Yeah. Yeah. Making a break. Um, You know, uh, I don't know what Addison's going to bring. Maybe he, maybe he, he, uh, you know, livens up the, the receiver room. Um. Yeah. So we'll get into the we'll get into the offseason here. As I mentioned, they were fraudulent last year. Defense could be one of the worst of football. For fantasy, this team is awesome. For real football, they're going to be in trouble. Um, for me, this team is a sneaky candidate to capitulate for Caleb because the coach is probably not getting fired, even if they do get the first overall pick, and they're going to sign Justin Jefferson anyways. So if there is a point where they're like one in seven, they might be like, you know what, let's just. Let's just call it yeah. a day here and try to get that first overall pick because I don't think the coach gets fired. You have to go two and fourteen. They're just going to have to give Cousins, you know, little piece, little bits of antifreeze weekly to get him, you know, not feeling well on Sundays. <laughs> that is so terrible. <laughs> There's a story behind that. It has to like, be a story. Need to lose. <laughs> oh, a peek into the soul. That's terrible. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is the most proven quarterback in this division, but it won't matter. Fourth place. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's because of the other teams, it's reasonable to think this. Yep. Um, 
Scott, you already mentioned Jordan Addison, uh, yeah. wide receiver at USC. Clay Jordan Addison won the Bolitnikoff Award as a sophomore at Pitt, then transferred to USC. His numbers went down, but Lane uh, Lincoln Riley, the coach at USC, famously always has four wide receivers on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just not as many targets to go around. But on a per-target basis, Jordan Addison was as good last year as he was as a sophomore. He was the last pick, um, last receiver picked in the first round. There were four in a row. He was the last one to come off the board. And I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to have a great rookie season. I just don't yeah. think it's going to matter because the defense gave up 35 points a game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think he fell he fell victim to a little bit of combine trouble. Um, yeah, he did. His film is not – there's not a lot of that negativity on his film, though. So it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah he got Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round. He sure did. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why Kenny Pickett went first because he was throwing to Jordan Addison. Yeah. That year. Addison's really good. He's a really yeah. good player. Um, the rest of the draft picks here, um, fifth-round pick, Jaquel and Roy. Um, don't know much about them. But you notice that the schools come from USC, USC, LSU, L- LSU. They're definitely nowhere to find talent. Um, Jared Hall, quarterback at BYU. Some people liked him coming out. I didn't like him at BYU. I don't like him for the pros. I don't really like him for the XFL. I don't think he's Get out of here. Yeah, I don't Damn. know that he's a factor at all. Yeah, I just – I never saw it. Like, Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of a shorter, wiry dude with uh, not much arm strength. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot to love to his game. I feel like I, he, you know, his mom turned me down or something. This sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you know, like, but I just, she should have asked out Zach Wilson. <laughs> it's, it's just like, uh, he's just so average. Um, like, you know, the whole war concept, you can find these guys all over the place. Yes. And so they blew the Kellamon pick a couple years ago. He was terrible. Then they draft Jaron Hall. Like they know they're losing their time with Kirk Cousins. They need to get somebody yeah. on this team just in case. And to me, they completely failed to do that. Cleve, trivia question. Dwayne McBride, running back from UAB. How many total passes did he catch in his four years in college? Total passes did he catch? Yes, uh, as a running back. As a running back? Yeah. Ten. Four. His quarterback never swung it out to him. Or he is incapable of this aspect of the game. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lesson there. Like, you know, just be, I mean, maybe, maybe he's got like five thumbs and he just can't catch. Right. Yeah. But just because Florida, wherever he was, UAB didn't ask him to catch passes doesn't mean he can't. Doesn't mean he can. We'll find out. I, uh, I tend to think that way too, except when you get the outliers like this. Like yeah. you have to make it a point to not throw the ball. This kid, yeah, yeah. four catches in four years. This. I'm with Dave yeah. on that. Like he's, yeah. Shit, you got some guys that get ten that get ten attempts in a game. <laughs> yes, and then you look at him getting drafted for as productive as as he was as a runner. Yes, for him very. to slip all the way to round seven tells you that the NFL doesn't think he is going to help in in the passing game. At all. Yeah. Um, but still very productive runner in college. It's just, you know. This team just sucks too bad to be taking all these players with obvious red flags besides Addison. Mm. Yeah. Right. That's what, to me, this is a bad draft class. Yeah, obviously, I don't know shit about Jay Ward from LSU or whatever, but there's nobody on this list after Addison where I'm like, 
that was a really good pick. That's really good value right there. That's a really good job, right? Like the Seahawks last week, just top to bottom, another great draft class, right? Yeah, but the problem here is that you don't have a pick between 23 and 102. Oh, that's true. You missed the meat of the entire draft. Yeah. You got scraps. Yes. You know, I mean, they had a bunch of picks, but. Yeah, it's not they much. Had one premium pick, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, not much there. So I do think the Vikings will finish last as a division. Now this could be a division where last place is seven and ten. They may not be terrible, but also still finish last. Hmm. Okay, so Cleve, who to have in third place in this division? Is it the Packers, the Lions, or the Bears? Packers. <laughs> so. If you're listening to the oh, audio, hot take time, hot take time. Oh yeah. I think Scott's got a hot take coming in here. So well, well I can't wait to get this. So uh, again, <laughs> the logo for the Packers here is uh old man, Captain America saying that, no, he will not teach Jordan love how to be a good quarterback. Last year, the Packers go eight and nine, finished third in the NFC North. All they had to do to make the playoffs is beat the lions at Lambeau in week 18. And they could not do it. Um, Vegas win total seven and a half. Cleve, you said four wins for the Packers. So before Scott gives his hot take, I take it that means you are not in on Jordan Love. No. No. And I have nothing against the kid. I just I think they put him in the top spot. Um and they're gonna be in a total rebuild of that whole thing. So the offseason here traded Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. We all know that. Um finally giving Jordan Love his opportunity. Still did not draft a skill position player in the first round. Now, I famously wanted the Lions to take Jackson Smith and Jigba at 12. You can make the argument with Amon Ross St. Brown and pre-suspension for Jamison Williams that wasn't a necessary pick. We are going to remember that the Packers passed on Jackson Smith and Jigba for Lucas Van Ness, a total project defensive end for years to come, Scott. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would tell you that you weren't wrong about Jackson Smith and Jigba, you can't have too many players like that on your team, whether or not they're slot player. You just can't have too many of them. Yeah. He just gets open. He's in, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. really good to have receivers who can get open. It's cool. Yes. Is it's a it? great problem. You can't have too many of them. Is that why you coach football? Cause you know, things like that. No, <laughs> no, it's just common sense. Like it's a, it's a passing league. He's likely the best route runner in the entire class. Who cares if if he might be redundant to somebody else on your team? You then have two elite dudes who right. can't be covered. That's right. a good thing. Yes, I agree. I agree. So I think that that's another reason this team is going to struggle this year. They are the only team in the division with a good defense. Uh, if Jordan Love is as good as Kirk Cousins, the Packers could win this division, right? Like, if they get good quarterback play, they could win this division. Scott, I think this is where your hot take is. Go ahead. I don't even know if it is a hot take, but I think I think Jordan Love, let's clip this and play this in, like, uh, six weeks. Jordan Love is going to stun people at his play, how much he looks like Aaron Rodgers, the way he throws the ball looks like Aaron Rodgers. He's been paying attention, and I think he's a lot better than – has anybody have any of you guys heard anybody praise Jordan Love? Yes. At all? Yes. Jordan Love's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. 
He All is right. going to do very good things for the Packers offense. Okay. He is. So he that's is. so that's one opinion. And it's not unreasonable, but I already have mine here in writing. Jordan Love probably was- sucks though. <laughs> um we have not seen anything. Uh, we have seen more good flashes from Trey Lance than we have from Jordan Love. Like Jordan Love has not shown us anything in any of his playtime yet. And I don't want it doesn't matter that his parents are forced to sit in the furthest possible seats at Arrowhead when they when he started against the Chiefs in that one game. But it does tell you something the Packers are gonna fight to get the parents better seats. I just there hasn't really been anything. I didn't like him that much as a prospect. He was overdrafted. He has almost no experience. He hasn't played in years. He could So that's be good. one of the things where I think there's value to what he has been doing. And I know and I, I get the under I get the argument that he hasn't shown it and therefore he doesn't have it, right? But I think the fact that he has sat for multiple years behind a Hall of Fame quarterback, like him or not, um and likely understood his process and his ability to, um, you know, read progressions and do these things. It's not going to surprise me a bit if Jordan Love looks, again, physically looks a lot like Aaron Rodgers, does the same kind of stuff Aaron Rodgers did, and is significantly more effective than anybody is considering right now. Uh, which is terrifying because I don't want the Packers to continue to run over this division. Um, I just think he's going to be a lot better as a quarterback. And in fact, like if you're playing dynasty football, he is one of those players you should be grabbing late. I I know that sounds blasphemous. I I know what I know what it sounds like. I just well, I, I do think he's better than anybody thinks. Jordan Love is 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 obviously the sort of player you should be trying. He should have already acquired a dynasty, right? It's too late now. Now you're paying yeah. too high. You should have yeah. already had him, right? Yeah. Because he could True. be good, but he probably sucks. I mean, on, on, if you're looking at the bell curve of the entire range of outcomes for Jordan Love, like 70% of the outcomes are in like middling to sucks. And then 30% are in like the above middling to at like the 0.001%. He's the next Aaron Rodgers. We just just hasn't been anything to at all suggest that he's gonna be that good. And his wide receivers, he doesn't have Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson or Greg Jennings or these other guys that uh Roger said. He has Romeo Dubs, who I liked a lot last year, but he's probably just the guy. Yeah. He's got Christian Watson, who my God, I can't remember who, but somebody on Twitter called him Green Bay Chase Claypool. <laughs> and Okay. <laughs> I got a shiver up my spine because I have so much Christian Watson in best ball this year. And I think Christian Watson is probably pretty good for the same reason. I think Jordan Love probably sucks, but there is a chance that Christian Watson is Chase Claypool again. And it's just like Aaron Jones is 29 going on 30. Yeah. D- David Bakhtiari is 500 years old and wants to be a Jet. I just I don't see it for this team. I don't even if even if Jordan Love is a perfectly if he's as good as Jared Goff, yeah, this team is still going to get obliterated. Okay, that's fair. But he's probably not as good as Jared Goff. He's probably much worse. We'll earmark it. Yeah. So this will be interesting to come back to because we can't both be right. Yeah. You know it it will be. It's just it's it's uh, 
it'll be fascinating to see what happens as the season rolls on yeah. and what the Packers do and what their offense even looks like. Yeah, and I do want to stress the prop I do want to stress the probably here, right? Like Zach Wilson sucks, right? Jordan Love probably sucks just from what we've seen. Yeah. Right. It but there's there is a chance that Scott will be right and Jordan Love will be a Pro Bowl quarterback. And I will quit this show because I cannot stand to have the Packers. I don't want to talk about the Packers being good. I only want to talk about the Packers being bad for at least three years. Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of – I mean, it's like, you know, they draft Devontae Adams uh, when they do. And, I, I mean, I, I I know that we didn't pro- we probably hadn't talked about it at that time, but I, I just loved Devontae Adams' game. And it's like, man, of all the teams that had to draft this guy, and now he's a total steal in round two – it's yeah. the freaking Packers. Yeah. You know, and look how that turns out. It's like, you know, they do have they do have some weapons at tight end, which are uh, like Luke Musgrave is a really interesting player. Um, more of a detached from the line of scrimmage player than I than you know, more of a, a route running tight end than anything else, but still that's tough in year one. And he's a rookie tight end, so he sucks. Yeah, year one's tough. I mean, it's just a yeah. tough thing. If you're not if you're not Kyle Pitts, you suck in your first year as a tight end. It Across the board. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're about to move on to the second place team here. Cleve, are you still with us? Yeah, this this will be my last uh, last one here, and then I got a skedaddle. Okay. Well, that's okay, because obviously you can infer who I have winning the division based on who's the second place. Cleve, who do I have finishing in second place in this division? The Bears or the Lions? Second. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, here we go. The, the, uh, the Bears. I have, he oh, the, oh the Packers draft class, whatever. Uh, Luke Van Ness overdrafted Luke Musgrave. Scott talked about him. Um, the Chicago Bears. I, Cleve, I was this close to predicting the Bears to win this division. And I'm <laughs> I'm already mad at myself for not going on record saying the Bears to win this division this year. Like, <laughs> it is all right there for them. Um. So I think it'll be good. Cleve, you also think they'll be good. Win total Vegas seven and a half. You said ten games. Yes. I think I think Fields has something to prove. Um, and unlike Trey, we watched him get better. Like he got better under fire. Like he got better, like yeah. pr- like having to prove it, you know, like <laughs> get in there, take your licks, lick your wounds, come back, fight another day. So Last year, they go 3-14, fourth in the NFC North, good for the number one overall pick. Um, don't worry about the second line there. I just forgot to delete it, as that was obviously the Detroit Lions last year. Um, now, for the logo here, I have a chart that shows quarterback production scores last three NFL classes, so 2019 through 2021. This is their production score in college. Top five are Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, and Tua. There's some things to note about this list. None of them are terrible. All of them are currently much better passers of the ball than Justin Fields. But Justin Fields wasn't a super productive runner in college. He obviously could run, clearly. But he was a productive passer of the ball in college. Yes. He wasn't an elite quarterback prospect because of his rushing. Right? He's not Anthony Richardson. He's an elite quarterback prospect because of his passing ability in college, too. And we haven't quite seen it yet. That doesn't mean it's not there. And the second it shows up, if he's ever as good at passing the ball as Kyler, it's an MVP conversation. Right, Scott? 
Uh, easily, as long as he keeps the rushing up, which I don't think he will do. I just, I'm, we talked about this last year. I don't think, I don't think quarterbacks are running the ball as much as like they did with him last year. The, the quarterback power stuff that they did. Yeah. I just don't think that's sustainable long-term. Um, I don't think they do either. I hope, I hope they're smart enough to know. I, I don't want the bears to beat the lions, but I, you know, looking at these guys as players, I hope that they really give him time to develop as a player and just don't force him as a runner. Um, I mean, in college, it was ridiculous. He was, he was, he was an amazing prospect in college that there were just things in his game that the NFL didn't care for. Um, You know, I don't know that today at this point that he's really, done much to dissuade those who, who, who feel that way uh, about his ability to, to read, to get through progressions and then, you know, play the quarterback position, not as a runner, but just more as a thrower. So there's a couple things about this is that I have the note here. Justin Fields takes too many sacks. There is no question about this. He, but the offensive line is so bad. Right. So last, last year, Cleve, Justin Fields, either took a sack or scrambled on almost 30% of his dropbacks. Running for his life, man. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think some of that is on the offensive line. Now there's enough data on this to show that quarterback sacks are a quarterback stat, not offensive line stat. But again, when you have these extreme outliers, the bears offensive line last year was truly atrocious. Right. So Justin Fields will probably always struggle with taking too many sacks, but you know who else does? It's Joe Burrow. Yeah, I was going to just say that as well. Yeah, and Joe Burrow tried to make the argument when he's asked about this. He goes, yes, but I always take – but he goes, I take too many sacks on third down where we're going to punt anyways. So rather than forcing a ball that could get intercepted, I just eat the sack. They went back, looked at the data. It's not true. He takes sacks equally across all three downs. Yeah. But, (laughs) but, But it was at least a good thought. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's full uh, of shit, but you know, yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah, they fact I mean, check them. It, it sounded good until somebody looked into it, but um, <laughs> you know, quarterbacks they take too many sacks, they take too many sacks. That's really Justin Fields' only problem. Some of that is connected to the reading and progressing through things in that, but I think that's more to be alleviated by the offensive line and trusting his offensive line. I really do feel that, um, uh. Like, there's a chance we get the 2019 Lamar season here. We get the – it all sort of clicks. And we get mm-hmm. the, you know, 3,800 passing yards, 800 rushing yards, 38 passing touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns, MVP, Justin Fields season. Yeah, I'm hoping for Well, that. if you get that, I think you're probably looking at a team that wins the division. Uh, yes. If you're getting that. Yes, and it's squarely in the range of outcomes. It is. It's just yeah. the other thing that might – that's squarely in the range of outcomes is that he doesn't progress as a passer and it just sort of stays kind of where it is. We'll it's see. I, I mean, I, I hope because of how electric he is that he does progress as a passer and he becomes this dual threat dude who's different than anybody else. Because all the think about the dual threats like Lamar, Lamar's a, a legit dual threat, but he's not, uh, you know, he leaves plays on the field as a passer. He does. Yeah. Everybody does. Um, Burrow does. 
you know, uh, I just think that Fields' upside is is huge. It's just through the roof, and it's just a matter of whether you believe he takes multiple steps as a thrower, um, as a passer. I don't think he will, but it doesn't really matter what I think. I think it's just I hope we see it because it's it would be incredible theater well, to watch yeah. a player who is capable of doing the things that he does at such a high level do them at a high level, and I don't know how you would defend him. Well, here's the thing, Cleve. I don't think that Justin Fields has to take a step forward as a passer to take a huge step forward as a quarterback because last year he's playing what one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen in my life, which they address somewhat. It's not going to be as bad. I don't think it's going to be good yet. But it's not going to be as bad. And his wide receivers last year, his wide receiver one was Darnell Mooney, who's like four foot seven. Um, they traded the 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool, which was a huge bust, came in the middle of the year, couldn't do anything. Um, the tight end Cole Komet is a mannequin. I mean, the guy, I, I think in a 10-yard dash, I could beat him. Like, he just has <laughs> no acceleration off the line at all. Um, and they traded for that first-round pick this year. They picked up DJ Moore from Carolina, who I believe is fifth all-time in total receiving yards before the age of 25. Yes. Wow. And it's like... Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. It's like all these Hall of Fame dudes and DJ Moore is fifth. And right. DJ Moore, the quarterbacks throwing to DJ, to DJ Moore are a, a who's who of who of no one. Like, I think <laughs> the best quarterback he's ever had is either late stage Cam Newton or Sam Darnold. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so DJ I mean, Moore gets a guy done. who's been prolific um, as a receiver early in his career with, with no help. Yes, so DJ Moore gets it done. They also in that trade, they traded back to 10th overall. I thought they picked ninth, but whatever. Uh, they picked uh, Darnell Wright, offensive tackle out of Tennessee. So with that one trade, they get their wide receiver one, and they draft who they hope is going to be a um, franchise left tackle. So to me, this is them recognizing what their, what their primary issue is. They also signed Dante Foreman in free agency and drafted Roshan Johnson, the running back out of Texas, because they don't want Justin Fields doing all that QB power stuff anymore, Scott. Did the Eagles jump from pick 10 to pick 9 to take Jalen Carter and push? Yes, him? that's right. Okay, so that's why that's why Wright goes 10th. Yep, that's right. Hmm. All um, right, guys, I got a jam. All right, Cleve. See you, Cleve. All right, man, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks thanks for week. Anyone, anyone watching. And, um, yeah, we're getting closer and closer to football. Yep. All right. Have a good week, buddy. All right, you too, guys. Peace out. Good luck. Good luck in the game, Scott. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'll let you know how it goes. So, Dave Darnell Wright, stud. You like him? I do. I loved him at Tennessee. I he is huge. He can move. Um, significantly more athletic than than uh, you would think for a guy with his body type. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who will lock down the right tackle position for a long time. How do you and compare they, him as how do you compare him as a prospect to Walter Cross that the Seahawks took last year? Oh, Charles Cross? Charles Cross. Uh, that's right. Charles Cross is more of a finesse. Uh Charles Cross is was a more of a pass pro. Uh he's more ready in pass pro than he was to move bodies in the running game. Mm-hmm. Darnell writes more of a move bodies in the running game while being totally capable of holding up in pass pro because he's so strong and powerful and he's got so much anchor and long arms. So he's really hard to beat. 
Uh, Will Anderson couldn't. He made Will Anderson disappear in their matchup. Um, I think he's, again, I think he's more of a mauler type. But he's a really good player who's going to live on the right side of that offensive line for a long time and play at a high level for them. And it's it's something they've needed for a while. I mean, it really is. They've needed help there for a long time. Yeah, I um, I just see that the improvements this team made, they're in the right direction, which gives me, aside from the Chase Claypool trade, I think this front office has made pretty much nothing but good decisions recently. That's why I'm just so high on them and why I think people are going to be shocked at just how good um, how good they're going to be, how competent they're going to look this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they will. I think that um, a player like Roshan Johnson comes in, and yeah, he's around as a fourth round pick. Wouldn't surprise me a bit if halfway through the season he is their starting running back. Or let's be a little more fair that he's got a significant role because of how good he is in pass pro, where Khalil Herbert is not. Right. And you know, and I think he does. He's one of those guys who got buried behind Bijan. But yep. is a really effective player. Very good and, player. And again, uh, just to recap from our uh, draft preview and draft episode, Roshan Johnson did get buried behind Bijan because Bijan Robinson was so good at Texas. But Roshan Johnson still got forced his way on the field, especially on third downs. Mm-hmm. Like Roshan Johnson did not just play when Bijan got hurt or needed a breather. He had things designed specifically for him yeah. with Bijan yeah. on the squad. Like he's very good. He's a very good running back. Right, and I think if Bijan Robinson never goes to Texas, Roshan Johnson is a second round pick. I've always thought that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he'd go much earlier. Uh, Tyreek yeah. Stevenson, I think, can play for them at a pretty high level. Um, curious to see what Jervon Dexter does. You know, I think that he he is a, he's an interesting player, and then there's Tyler Scott, who's super super fast, and we'll see what he can become. You know, can he be a vertical weapon? For for fields, can he open things up? You know, for more. Yeah, I think I think what they need Tyler Scott to do is to be the the wind sprint champion, so that yeah. Darnell Mooney doesn't have to be. Yes, just occupy space, uh, yeah. command double coverage, open up parts of the field for our for other players. You know. Yes. Uh, yeah. The uh, the Chris Hogan Memorial Award. Yes, just run, occupy defenders while we target. DJ Moore. Yep. Cool. You've done exactly. your job. Yeah. Exactly. So that means that the team I have winning the NFC North is the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, when asked if he would give up an arm to win a Super Bowl. Yes. Well, I think he means it. Let's lop that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he means it. So I I was really close between predicting the Lions or the Bears to win this division. But the Lions have actually – the Lions took the step last year that I expect the Bears to take this year. So I think it's fair to expect the Lions to stay maybe a year ahead of Chicago at this point. Here's why ultimately I sell it on the Lions. Yeah, and I mean, I think they took a step last year and then and then gave it a couple of serious boosts with what they did in free agency in the offseason with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Cam Sutton. Right. Um, at this point, Emmanuel Mosley has been a non-factor because he had a, that cleanup procedure in his knee. But you're looking at completely overhauling the back end of your defense, which was a the back end of the defense was a problem. 
Yes. Injuries hit last year and they couldn't do, they couldn't play the way they wanted to play. And then they had to get a little more vanilla and yes, it got better, but you're just, you were missing playmakers and you have them now. Um, and you throw in some of the picks they've made and some it just, I think they've, the steps have been, um, it's not just steps. It's like leaps for, for, for where they were last year. And it makes me uncomfortable saying that as a Lions fan. Yes. I think the team is considerably better than last year. Um, top, top to bottom. I think that some of the moves they made are very short-sighted, which to, tells me that the team thinks that their window is right now. They think they are currently in it and they're, yeah. they're going for it right now. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with that, but you know, if we're predicting to win the division, if you can be a division champion, in most cases, you can be a Super Bowl champion. Sometimes there's like absolutely shitty divisions that somebody has to win like the Bucks last year. Yeah. But generally speaking, if you're good enough to win your division, you're good enough to make a run to the Super Bowl. So if we're going to predict them to win the division, we kind of have to give us some credence that they might be in their window right now. Last year, they finished 9-8, and eight, second the NFC North. And if they hadn't gotten completely embarrassed by Carolina in like week 15, they would have made they would have made the playoffs. Um Vegas went total this year nine and a half. Cleve says they're gonna win eleven games and get a tie. All right. Which in the NFC is probably not quite enough to get the number one overall seed, but it's probably enough to be in the discussion in week 16. It probably <laughs> is. Uh I would think that that gives them a home playoff game. Well, yeah, if they win the division, they get a home playoff game for sure. And then you're looking at a possible run deep into the playoffs and maybe, you know, a matchup against Philly somewhere or San Francisco possibly. And it's like, you know, you don't want to think that way, but are they possibly in the NFC title game? Maybe. So the Lions have won exactly one playoff game since 1957. I will not predict the Lions to win a playoff game until they either do or they lose in the playoffs, but like, they have the next Patrick Mahomes and they just happen to lose in the first round, but yeah. it's clear they have this like all time generational talent quarterback yeah. then. But until then I'm like, I wouldn't have predicted to win the home playoff game. They'd host if they won the division, they're still going to lose to the Cowboys or whatever. Right. I, I can't do it. And not until I see it, I won't. I, I, I'm not arguing. I, it, yeah. It's there's too much history there to, to just buck that history because we're, we're feeling right. good about where things are. Right. Yeah. But but if they, if we're predicting to win the, the division, we're predicting them to have a home playoff game. So they should at least be favored in the playoffs Yeah, at home. If yeah. Cleveland's right and they win 11 games, they're not the four seed, right? They won't be the worst division champion. That'll probably be the South. Um, So I get the Eagles and the 49ers from each of their sides. So yeah. then you're looking at, Either the second place team in the in the set in the in the NFC Central, look at me, the NFC North coming back again, or the Cowboys or the Giants or the Seahawks or something like that. And yeah. of those teams, the only ones where I'm really like, yeah, we got them is probably the Giants. But yeah. the Vikings thought the same thing last year. We saw how that went. So yeah, yeah. Um, all right. They're off season. They won nine games last year, they had a winning record. Um, despite a draft that made Dave drink bleach during the live broadcast, this team is loaded on offense and ready to put up big numbers. I mean, now they don't have Jameson Williams for the first six weeks and Jameson Williams. I hate to say it probably sucks. It's just on balance. Now he's probably a bust. Unfortunately, 
not guaranteed, but right. He's, he's definitely not trending in a good direction, but he is a very, very, very talented football player. Yeah. You know what? So was Kelvin Benjamin. You know, it, it, it can happen. No, I, I know there's, he's got to do more than just be a talented football player. He's actually has to play. He has to play well playing yeah. football games. Yes. Um, so there's already enough data out there that shows wide receivers who miss the majority of the um uh the majority of their first season for whatever reason. Yeah. Injury, whatever, they almost always never do well. Right. If they don't play a lot in their first season, they almost never do well, no matter the reason. So you have you have that combined with him missing all last offseason because he did have the ACL that he tore in the national title game. And then this year, he's in camp, but he has a hamstring injury now, so he's going to miss the rest of the camp. And he's suspended for the first six weeks for gambling within the Lions facility. Now, he was gambling on M- the NBA playoffs, not the – um. He was not in the Lions facility. Then – but he was so, – okay, so he was – but he was some sort of Lions official something. Yes. Okay, my apologies. The facility might not be accurate, but he was he was at work. He was at a – he was on the road in a hotel. Right. So but he was still at work, right? He was on the road in a hotel working out with other Lions players. And because the Lions, this is not for whatever it's worth, take it with a grain of salt. Because he was working out with the Lions, the Lions paid for the rooms and that made it a team facility. Yes. Because he's at work. Yeah. If you travel for a work conference and your work pays for your hotel room at the conference, you're at work when you're at the conference. No, no, no. He could have, he could have just walked out of the parking lot and placed the bet. He would have been fine. The rules are. I not- mean, that's that's and to get six games for that. That is that is rough. I mean, that is that's what happened. That's that. I mean, I don't think that James Williams has a major gambling problem or was like trying to bet on the NFL or anything like that. Like, I don't think that that's the case here. Yeah, but it's just yet another thing, right? It's another roadblock for sure. Right, and so that's a that's a problem, but it's still a nice little. At this point, he's a lottery ticket to be holding. Yeah. And we're not yeah. sure what, what, what we're going to get there. Um, yes. I do have a note here. The Lions are unlikely to be a true Super Bowl contender due to their horrible defense. Now, their defense last year was atrocious, but had some interesting pieces, kind of at all three levels. Aiden Hutchinson looks like a star. Yeah. Already probably is a star. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez looked like a good linebacker, which is not an important position, but he's also like a sixth round pick. So you got yeah. a good, really good value there. Um, that's why he, you really need to take struggled. A he, he struggled, seriously struggled in the back half of the season though. He really, yeah. he really did. Yeah. Conditioning. You think not used to that long season? Maybe, but all um, more assignment stuff. Okay. Um, just struggled. He, yeah. he just had a hard time. Uh, I mean, I look at like uh, like Josh Pascal. I think is a is a breakout type of player who who's mm-hmm. going to play at a high level. James Houston uh, did unbelievable things. Yep, you know, in the eight games or whatever it was that he played. Uh, Aleem McNeil has lost you know 15, 20 pounds of body fat and is going to play three tech for them. I, I think that there's a a lot of reason to be excited about the things that he can bring. I don't think this this defense is not – this isn't, you know, 
the defense that we're that we're used it's, to seeing. They, it's not the Rams. Levels. It's not the Rams. It's not the Vikings. It's not a hopeless unit. No, no, they can't stop San Francisco or Philadelphia. Likely true. Yes. Right. Yeah. They're yeah, going to struggle to stop running quarterbacks. Right. It just it's just how it we, works. We would trade defenses with the Packers for this year. We would trade defenses with the Packers. Of course. Yeah. No. I would like some of our young players going forward. I'd rather have them two, three years from now. Yeah. But this year yeah. coming up, we would trade defenses with the Packers for sure. So yeah, I think so. I just I think I'm more maybe a little more bullish on their as a group what they have right now than than I've ever been on their defense. They've strengthened they've strengthened their weakest links. Their weakest links aren't as weak anymore. Yeah, and there's depth too. Like you know, we talk about Pascal, we talk about McNeil, we talk about Hutchinson and Houston, and then you throw John Kaminsky in the mix, and he's a very good yeah, he player. He looks good. He does. Um, you know, you throw uh, Rodriguez and Barnes and Anzalone and Campbell into the linebacker mix, and all of a sudden it's, okay, you're getting really good play there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've upgraded both, if you want to call them safeties, uh, I'm not going to call them safeties just because they play close to the line of scrimmage a little bit, but I think your your deep safety is Kirby Joseph, who is on track to be a superstar. Uh, and then you've got the closer to the line of scrimmage guys and Cha- and C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Brian Branch, who's a steal in the draft, and it's like, that's good. And then you throw Cam Sutton, Jerry Jacobs, um, Tracy Walker's coming back. You still have Charles Harris. There's just there's a lot to like in the back end more so than anything, which is where they were really they really struggled last year. So to me, they they've kind of overhauled it all, and um, it doesn't need to jump from like the 30th best defense to, to into the top 15 for them to make radical improvements and be and just be better overall everywhere. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. But you also, it's hard to win the Super Bowl with the 20th best defense. Yeah. And that's where I think they're going to end up being this year. And um, if they do that, that's a huge jump. Um, I don't think they're ready to win the Super Bowl. I, I think it's almost ridiculous to think that, right? I agree with you, but here's the problem. And we're going to get to their draft class now because I am I am still beside myself with the absolute failure of this draft class. The only way this draft class makes any sense whatsoever is that you think you're ready to compete for Super Bowl immediately. And I agree with you. I think it's ridiculous to think that you're ready to compete for Super Bowl this year. So with the 12th overall pick, they take Jameer Gibbs, a running back out of Alabama. A horrible pick. As we're seeing across the board, running backs do not have value. They do not, they're not important to winning at the NFL level. There's only one good team that has a good running back. It's Christian McCaffrey. They didn't draft him. They traded for him because the team that he was on couldn't win with them. He was the last piece, right? You just you don't need a good running back to be a good team in the NFL. In fact, it even hurts you more than it helps you most of the time. Then with the 18th pick, they take Jack Campbell, a off-the-ball linebacker um, out of Iowa, who, just like Jameer Gibbs, I think is going to be an excellent NFL football player. I have no issue with either of these guys as football players. But these are the two positions. Like, if you look at the Eagles, you look at the two positions they spend no money on, 
It's the two positions alliance, but the 12th and 18th overall picks on. And so I am just beside myself with this. The second round pick 34, basically a first round pick. They take Sam Laporta, a tight end out of Iowa. They certainly needed a tight end. Like that's a position of need for them. And I like Sam Laporta. He was the like only good thing about Iowa's offense last year. Yeah. And he's, and he's probably pro ready. Again, I think he's a very good player, but he plays a position that you don't need to have to win in the NFL. And then their next second round pick, their last pick in the second round, they took Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. A position of need for them. The secondary was terrible, and he was really good value there. And if it wasn't for the first three picks, I wouldn't mind taking a safety at this position. But they took like the four most useless positions all in a row. And I like all these players individually. And I think they all come together to make the Lions a better team. None of them, unless Sam Laporta is Travis Kelsey, right? It doesn't matter if Jameer Gibbs is Christian McCaffrey or Jack Campbell is who even is the best off ball linebacker. Um, in the NFL right now. We just lost Scott. I'll soliloquy for a minute till we get him back. Maybe he doesn't like me talking shit about Jameer Gibbs. Um, I don't even know who the best off-ball linebacker is that he could be. And even if Brian Branch is Ed Reed, it's not going to be enough to get this team over the hump. So that's why I am so uh, um, despondent about the draft class here. Um, let's wait for Scott to come back. So I know Scott does... Scott and I do view these things very differently. I'll sort of set up his take here because um, I, I know what it is until we get him until we get him back. Um, Scott, more than me, thinks that taking good football players that help your team is the right way to go in team building. Whereas I think it's much more important to take swings in the most important positions. So, for example... At pick 12, I wanted Jackson Smith and Jigba, a wide receiver. At pick 18, I wanted Deontay Banks, a cornerback who went to the Giants. Because getting a top five wide receiver in a, or a top five corner really does catapult your team in a way that getting a top five running back or top five non-pass rushing linebacker just doesn't do for your squad. So, you know, uh, if Scott does come back, this will be interesting to see here. Uh, he would argue that because these are all four likely to be good football players who make the team better, which I agree with. I like all four of these players as football players, and I'm glad that they are on the Lions. They just don't do much for the long-term outlook of the Lions. Therefore, if the Lions are not intending to win a Super Bowl this year or next year, this draft class could be a huge missed missed opportunity for for them. Now, on the other hand, a point I haven't made on the show yet, but I was thinking about, the Lions do have a ton of players they have to pay coming up. They're going to have to pay Panay Sewell top money. They're going to have to pay Aiden Hutchinson top money. They're going to have to pay Amon Ross St. Brown, not top wide receiver money, but expensive money. So it might make sense to get some players at positions that just don't cost as much. Um, that could be that could be good. Paul saying that Scott just quit the podcast because you talked trash about Jack Campbell. Um, it all crashed that, on me. Maybe it was just my end. 
Yeah, no, it was just you. I was, I was, I was here. So I sort of set up your take here. I gave mine, which is well known. I've said it here a lot. You know what it is. I set up your take that, if I understand correctly, you think that it's more important, certainly more important than I do, to just make sure that you acquire good football players in the draft more than taking swings at the more valuable positions. Because even I agree that Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporte, and Brian Branch are all probably really good football players. Yeah. Is that, am I right? That's kind of your take. Like, they got four good football players. What's the problem? I mean, generally, yeah. And and specific to where they are as a team. Jameer Gibbs helps them right now immediately. Immediately. Um, it's unrealistic to think that really anybody else would have uh, at 12. I'm not saying Smith it's Jigba. Who? Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is who I, who I wanted. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's, what if they? What if Gibbs becomes a player who they use a lot in the passing game? It doesn't matter. He plays running back. Christian McCaffrey has never won shit. He will now because he's on a team loaded at the positions that matter. No, I, mean, I think it really matters. I think it really matters if if running backs catch a lot of passes for you. That matters and, a lot, and that's and that's why the Chargers have three or four Super Bowls with Austin Eckler. Okay. Right. I'm not I mean, going to say too much. It's pointless. It's just, no, no, but, but that's, that's just kind of my point. Like, let's just say that we, instead of Jimmy or Gibbs, we traded the 12th overall pick for like current Austin Eckler. So let's say with the 12th pick, they took Christian Gonzalez. You would be thrilled with that, right? I would be much happier than taking Jameer Gibbs because the position is one where if you get it right, is much more important to the team. Christian Gonzalez will be out of the NFL in three or four years. Now, to be he fair, he cannot play at the NFL level, right? As lacking, uh, uh, lacking competitiveness and allowing stuff to happen around him and just being cool with it, never going to work. Right. However, it's what do you win when you win? If Jameer Gibbs is immediately Austin Eckler, or any cornerback, which I wanted Deontay Banks at eighteen is immediately Jair Alexander, the corner is more impactful, as we know. Like, having good defensive backs. Yeah, but how many, how many Jair Alexanders are there? How many, how many how Austin many... Ecklers are there? Uh, one. I mean, he was an undrafted free agent, right? Uh, that's kind of my point. Yeah. That's, right. But just, just saying that I, you wanted Deontay Banks, and let's pencil him as, in as Jair Alexander immediately, is like, that doesn't happen. No, it, it rarely happens, but it can. It happened for Sauce Gardner, right? Yeah. Like if uh, – so the Jets took Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and hit right away on both at two extremely important positions, mm-hmm. right? They also happened to hit on Brees Hall later in the draft. If they had, instead of taking uh, uh, Sauce Gardner, taking Brees Hall at four overall, and they got the same production out of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson – They'd be super excited. They'd be like, oh, my God, this is so great. We got these two great players. But we know that would be a horrible decision to not have Sauce Gardner, right? It's not – It's that's why it's the swing that matters. That's why taking a tight end that high, like, when – that's why we say when the Lions took Eric Ebron, it was a mistake 
not to take either the next corner or defensive tackle or wide receiver off the board because his positions were a lot better. And it would have been like Odell Beckham or Aaron Donald and some of the, I forget, one of the Fullers, Kendall Fuller maybe, instead. Like, you need to hit. And Zach invest. Martin was there. C.J. Yeah. Mosley was there. Right. You know, I mean, now, Zach Martin would have been like, oh, my God, a guard. So, yeah. but he's an outlier. Yeah. Um, uh, C.J. Mosley is an off-the-ball linebacker. I would not take him in the first round either. But what I'm saying is the 12th overall, 18th overall picks are major assets. And you should only spend major assets on things that can give you a major return in winning football games. Jameer Gibbs is awesome. And I think he's going to be really good. You do not need to have a good running back to win in the NFL. Every good team except for the 49ers doesn't even have one. Right? You just you don't okay. need you, you don't need one. Right? It's it's unnecessary. Off ball linebacker. I don't even know who the best off ball linebacker is. No, do you so think I would just call I mean it's just a word of caution on that. Just because Iowa didn't ask him to do things doesn't mean he can't do things. Uh it's Iowa. They wanted him to play a very slow, vanilla role. Jack Campbell's big enough and athletic enough to play on the edge. He's he's big enough and fast enough to win in the blitz game as a pass rusher. There's a lot of other things that he is capable of doing. Just because he didn't do it at Iowa doesn't mean he can't. Okay. If they intend to play him like he's TJ Watt, then great. Great pick. Um we will have to see if he's even capable of that. Um, I'm not saying and, he is, but I'm not right. saying he's not. Right. But right, like what is and was and was clear and clearly was when he was drafted. Right. He's Jake Campbell is not an edge rusher. He's not an edge. Right. He's no. not listed as an edge. Michael Parsons wasn't either when he got drafted. Right. Which was silly in hindsight. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's not silly for Jack Campbell not to be. So maybe Jack Campbell does turn does turn into that, and he is a great pass rusher, in which case then all this is out the window because pass rushing edge rushers are amazing and you need them, right? So, but that's not what he was at Iowa, and we haven't seen that's what he's going to be in the NFL yet. So we can only go from what position he's played, right? Sam Laporta, yes. If you end up with one of the top three tight ends in the league, that helps. You're going to be, you're probably good. But it's very hard to know who that is. <laughs> like, and most times people are lucky when they draft them. Like, the Chiefs didn't know Kelsey was Kelsey. The Ravens didn't know Andrews was Andrews. Right? Yeah. OJ Howard sucks. And Evan Ingram is mid. And David Njoku is mid. And then Dallas Gardner was like a third-round pick. And he's good. You know, that's kind of hard hard to know. And then Brian Branch as a safety. Unless you're Ed Reed or Troy Palomalu. Your impact on the game can only be but so great. You can raise the floor of your defense by not giving up huge plays, but you're not. You can so who who so real quick before we end this, who would you have wanted them to pick? So at 12, I wanted Jackson Smith and Jigba. At 18, I wanted Deontay Banks. If they had taken those two, I'm okay with the next two. See what I mean? Like Laporta and Branch start to make sense once you've addressed the much more valuable positions. It's the thing in 
collective, right? And I'll never be okay with taking a running back 12th overall because running backs just don't provide enough value to be drafted that high. Um, but if even at 18, they could have taken Smith and Jigba, right? And then at 34, they could have got Joey Porter Jr. because he went off like two picks before that. But you know, I mean, I know what your answer, I know what your answer is gonna be here, but is it possible the Lions just didn't like him as a player to pass on him twice? It doesn't, a, lot of teams, a lot of teams passed on him. It doesn't really matter because then because if, if you don't like him, then you take Zay Flowers or Quentin Johnson or or Jordan Addison. And all these receivers had first round grades. So it's not Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Like it's a, it's not that level of class, but they all went in the twenties. They all went right there. Take any of them. Take whichever one you like the most. Right? I know, but that's like to me. To me, that just seems like all that matters is the position, and I don't care about anything else. The position matters more than individual player takes. The individual player takes only matter within the position. Now, of course, there's a huge gap there. You should not take a fifth-round defensive back over a first-round safety prospect, right? You should not take um, uh, a fifth-round uh, – what's a good example here? You should not take a fifth-round defensive back prospect over a first-round guard, right? But there should never be a first-round guard, anyways. But that, as that gives an example, but we're talking about in a similar range. Four running back or four wide receivers went in the first round here. There's no way the Lions didn't like any of them, and if they didn't, that's probably another just red flag about their scouting department. Right, one of them's got to be likable. And the Chargers or the Ravens each took one. They have two of the best draft hit rates in history recently. So, but it's more important to hit on the wide receiver than it is to hit on the running back. Right, there is no running back in the history of the league that we would take on the Lions right now over Justin Jefferson. Not prime Emmett Smith, not prime Jim Brown. We'd rather have Justin Jefferson right now, and he's not even the okay. greatest wide receiver of all time. Okay. We'd also rather have Jamar Chase. Yeah, right. Like it's just more important to hit at those positions. And again, this but is just evidence by the Justin fact Jefferson that Jefferson was, was not available and Jamar Chase was not, they were not available. Justin Jefferson was the 20th overall pick his year. He was, yes. And the Lions picked 18th. So the range of the draft for Jefferson went was available. Dave. That's, right. I mean, I, the Eagles passed on Jefferson because they like Jalen Rager. They took. Justin Jefferson said, picking Jalen Rager is a better pick than picking Jameer Gibbs, even though Jameer Gibbs is going to be a perfectly fine and probably good NFL player. Because you do not need to have a top running back to win, and in fact, it probably works against you in most cases. I, because you're incentivized to use them, and you shouldn't I'm be just using them. I can't, I'm not going to get on board with the idea that Rager was a better pick than Gibbs. I'm just not. I think that's... He's not a better player. But if the if the Eagles were like we're picking a wide receiver here, oh my God, is it Rager or Jefferson? Rager or Jefferson? Rager or Jefferson? They're at least in the conversation to pick the right player. But if you're sitting there like, should we take Jameer Gibbs or Bijan Robinson? Jameer Gibbs or Bijan Robinson? You're not even in the right conversation to pick the right player, right? You can't, right? I, I mean, if that's what you think, that's fine. It, it's not what I think. It's what it's what's observable. Right, Ezekiel Elliott was a hit. They should have taken Jalen Ramsey. 
Man, Ezekiel Elliott was, was a smash. Christian McCaffrey was the best running back in football. The Panthers literally couldn't do anything, traded him away. Austin Eckler led the league in all-purpose yards last year. Nobody wants to pay him. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing last year. Nobody wants to pay him. Jonathan Taylor's on the trading block right now. Nobody's are, going to pay him. Those are completely separate arguments than whether a player was a good pick or a bad pick. It's not because Jameer Gibbs picked in 2023. His contract is going to be a 2027 problem, right? We're, we're Why? staring this down the down down thing. Either he's a bust, Why? Why which is, is bad, problem, or he's fantastic, and now we need to make the decision whether or not to pay this fantastic running back, which we shouldn't do. Which means Correct. the only which means the only reason you take him is if you think you can win the Super Bowl like right now. And you just said you thought that was a ridiculous notion, and I said I thought that was a ridiculous notion. Therefore, they should have taken a player. They didn't want to keep for a long period of time. If we think Dave, it's ridiculous, they go in the Super this Bowl. Is, this, is, this is, I think, some of the difference we're at in our thinking. I can think it's a ridiculous notion and recognize that they may not. I recognize and that they I don't. I say that I would trust them more than I would trust myself. My opinion's meaningless. So I would say that, too. It's clear from this draft they think that they're, that they're winning the Super Bowl this year or next year. But that's it. They they think that they think that this year or next year that's their window. They have to win now. That's how they see it. They probably think Jordan Love sucks. They think Kirk Cousins is getting out of there. They think Justin Fields is not going to progress, and this is it. They think they have two, maybe three years at the top of this division before the Vikings draft a good quarterback or something and catch back up. That's how they're seeing this. Maybe I don't know how they're seeing it. I just that's the only explanation, right? If they don't think that, they cannot think they have a long time horizon. Because if they hit all four of these players, they have to commit a whole bunch of money to four positions that you don't really need, and you can replace pretty easily off the street. Unless the port is Kelsey. If the port is a top three tight end, then you pay him. But yeah, but I mean, why are we why are we demanding? Why are we talking about Gibbs's second deal and demanding that we give him a second deal? Isn't it just more reasonable to say we're going to play him for four or five years and run the wheels off of him and then say goodbye? No, it's not. Because the 12th overall pick is such an asset. It's an asset that you could get a high-quality player on your team for 10 to 15 years. To use on a player you only tend to have for four or five is an upfront mathematical mistake. You can't overcome it. Even if you knew he was going to be Austin Eckler, you can't just add Austin Eckler for four years at that position and pass on the chance at a top defensive back or top pass rusher or top wide receiver or something else. Okay, so in 10 years, we'll talk about what Deontay Banks or Christian Gonzalez is. It, it doesn't matter the specific player. It does matter. It doesn't. It okay. doesn't. One of these defensive backs is going to be good. One of them in there is going to be good, right? It, it just maybe, matters. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. We do know. We do know. Again, Jair Alexander was drafted like 23rd. Uh, what's okay. it? Tredavious White was drafted like 27th. You get so, are Top you saying Deontay Banks or Christian or Christian Gonzalez are both or one of them is going to be a 10 to 15 year starter? No, what, what I'm going to say is, is that there's going to be a defensive back drafted after Jameer Gibbs, who's going to be a no brainer long term extension for the team that drafted him. And we're going to be in contract hell with Jameer Gibbs in two years when he decides to sit out because he can't get his money. Right. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Who it is. But that seems, that seems like such a straw man argument that somebody drafted after Gibbs is going to be good, and therefore the, the Gibbs situation sucks. Right. Like, you of course do not draft positions that you know you don't need to win. 
you don't need a running back to win. No team that's won a Super Bowl since like Terrell Davis has even had a good running back. And a couple have made it. Uh, Joe Mixon made it, but he's pretty mid, especially with the time he w- they made it. Todd Gurley obviously carried his team there, but that's an outlier situation. And he's 28 working at Aldi now. You know, it's just like Ezekiel Elliott came into the league, was great. Not only in rushing like three times, was washed, hung on for a year, and was finally jettisoned. And it was like six years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Leonard Fournette was drafted in 2017. <laughs> and it's like, who, like, terrible. Terrible. Take any relevant position after after that. Take any offensive tackle, right? Like any any position that you need to be good at the game instead of because again, even if you hit, even if Jameer Gibbs is Austin Eckler, it doesn't meaningfully improve your chances of winning the Super Bowl. We know this because Austin Eckler keeps getting destroyed by teams with elite quarterbacks and elite players at the other positions, right? Okay. Christian McCaffrey could do it this year. Christian McCaffrey could be the first one in a long time to be like a legitimately good running back to win the Super Bowl. But we all know it's because he's on this awesome team and not because he's the engine that drives that drives the team, right? Yes. And, I mean, I would think that that's what, what Holmes is trying to produce is something similar. But I don't know what's in his head, and I'm not going to – I mean, I think he's – you don't, I know, and I know you're not a fan of his, but I think he's done enough in his short time here. I, where... I'm not not a fan of his. I actually think he has a very good eye for talent. I think that's pretty observable. I don't think I know, he misses you've, a lot. You've, you've openly uh, talked about how he has no clue how to build a team. Yes. And therefore should not be a general manager. Correct. Because yeah. – Having an eye for talent doesn't matter if you don't know how to put that talent together, right? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's Panay Sewell is a smash, although he was obviously a great prospect, but he's a smash. Ada Hutchinson was kind of a no-brainer too, but he's a smash. But I'm on Ross St. Brown, right? Tops. We talked about Kirby Joseph. We talked about Josh Pascal, Houston. And I think Gibbs, Campbell, Laporte, and Branch are all going to be good NFL players. Right, I think he's good at identifying good NFL players, which is all the more reason for him to be taking the positions that are important. Because if he's good at finding the players, if he took Deontay Banks, he has earned the right to think. That but I'm going to turn Banks that around on you. If you trust that he's good at evaluating talent and he doesn't like Deontay Banks, it says something. And you're dismissing that entirely because of the position. And I'm not saying me, no, no, because that that presupposes that either that he passed on Banks or Jason because he doesn't like them. He just likes Gibbs and Campbell more. Maybe. Which Maybe. is a mistake, because even if you think I like Gibbs more than I like Banks, but I think Banks is going to be a good player. Banks plays the position you want to gamble on because if you end up getting a top five, top 10 player, it's much more meaningful than at the running back position. And that's the difference, right? Even if he is good at identifying talent, a draft like this shows that he doesn't actually know how to put uh, a long-term winning squad together. But they think they can win now. That's what they think. It has to be. Otherwise, otherwise he should just be snap fired because he has no idea what he's doing. But he thinks he thinks they can win now. And Dan Campbell thinks they're going to win now. And Jared Goff thinks they're going to win now. They actually think 
their Super Bowl contenders in the year 2023, which is really something. Like, that's pretty amazing for the Lions. Yeah, it's an, it's an uncomfortable place to be to be as a lot. It is. It is. It is. And these four players, like, they – if the Lions are right and we're wrong and they actually are Super Bowl contenders now, these four draft picks can actually help put them over the hump. We just don't think that they're there. You and I don't. Thus, I don't like these picks. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't I, don't, think I don't think they are. I just – what I mean by that is I don't think they can beat Philly. Philly and San Francisco and Dallas and I think the Seahawks. Beat, I think they can beat San Francisco. I think they can beat any of those teams once, yeah. but to beat all of them and then beat whatever juggernaut escapes the AFC. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a tall order to ask, but it's clear that they think that they're in the position. I mean that that may be what their approach is. I don't know. I don't know. Just you know. Um. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting conversation. It's just we just have completely differing opinions on uh, what they did, why they did what they did, and I guess we'll just leave it there. It's okay. Yeah, I I'm extremely un, uh, unhappy with their with their draft, unless they actually are like a 13 win team, <laughs> which I don't see. But goddamn it, if they're actually if it's actually like Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Detroit, I think that it is. That is what it is. Then, then they they might be right to be going all in now. Like they might, they might be at the deadline. They might mortgage future first round picks to get T Higgins or who knows what. I mean, the Bengals would never sell, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They might, they might be the team going for Christian McCaffrey types. They could if they think they that's the case, which is in and of itself exciting. Separate from me, not liking the positions they drafted. I think all four of those players help make this team a better team. They just don't make the team a Super Bowl contending team. The Lions already see themselves as that. They do. So, I mean, I, I think that's where, you know, uh, I mean, I, I do think you're right. I think that they believe their window opened up when Rodgers left the division. Yep. And you see Minnesota taking a step back. Um, you know, uh, and the bears are a long way back. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I, I do think they are. So it's, when you look around, it's like, okay, it's us. It's Philly. Uh, crazy things happen. It's San Francisco with Brock Purdy. Uh, dude got, had the craziest, uh, turnover luck in the history of the world last year. Yeah. I don't know that it's, it's going to, it's going to be as good for them as it has been. And here is us, and we're we're ready to roll. It's uncomfortable <laughs> to be thinking like that. It is, and it's really I'll weird too. Um, um, so Paul says, I think the draft being weak at wide receiver and quarterback was some lions ass shit. Um, I don't think the draft was weak at wide receiver, especially at eighteen. I think you could make a strong argument that taking a wide receiver at twelve would not have been correct. But at 18, when they all went 21, 20 through 23, at 18, especially because the Lions could have gotten Campbell at 34, probably, which is a little like fire minutia I didn't really want to get into. But they probably could have gotten Smith and Jigba and Campbell instead of Campbell and Laporta, which would be better. Like, that's so just now, the, now, the teams that you're talking about, real quick, who did take wide receivers, 
were they wide receiver twos or did they already were they wide receiver threes? So the Seahawks took a wide receiver three, but he's going to be the top target earned by the end of the year in Smith and Jigba and Lockett's 31. The Chargers took Quentin Johnston, who's a wide receiver three, but Keenan is 30. So they're getting yeah. ready to replace yeah. to replace him. So um, the Lions are not in that boat, though. No, the Lions, the Lions still need a wide receiver too. Um, so but they before have the draft, before the draft, the Lions had Amon Ra and Jamison Williams. So right. So they still needed a wide receiver too, because Jamison Williams has one catch in his career. You don't know. Okay. Right. It's not Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, right? Jamison Williams is like a poor man's Rashad Bateman at this point. You know what I mean? Like we even if you believe in him, you gotta get another, you gotta get another, you know, bullet in the chamber there. Because right. you just don't know. Like we, we literally have no idea. We hadn't seen him play yet. He he looked fine, but he hasn't he hasn't played yet. Um, and then so Zay Flowers to the Ravens, who's a wide receiver one slash two, and um Addison to the Vikings, solid wide receiver two, but right. So I just think the Lions were in a very different uh category in relation to those four receivers than the four teams that took receiver. Which is why they shouldn't have taken one at twelve. But does it preclude them from taking one at 18? Well, I'm just I I I'm just telling you what I think. I I, I think they're in a different uh especially different place. Especially because they could have gotten Campbell at 34. Right. I, I mean your sources, you don't have you don't have anybody taking Campbell before 34, do you? Um I mean, yeah. A trade up maybe, but as the board lied, nobody was taking him. I think Campbell's gone long before 34. Really? Yeah. Yeah. To who? Buffalo? I, I don't know. They don't think Kincaid? I don't know. I don't I no, I think Buffalo takes Kincaid over Campbell. If that's because I think I think they have plans on Kincaid being something, you know, very dynamic. But um th- it was a it was a kind of a poor draft. There were maybe 15, 16 first round grade guys. By all accounts, he was one of those guys for everybody. Uh, you know, especially if I mean, especially when you get towards the back end of round one, that's where those guys go. I mean, Nick Bolton went to the Chiefs two years ago, uh, nowhere near the player Campbell was. But it's beside the point. Is that it's it's a little, yeah. you know. I mean, again, this is a. And we're about to wrap it up here, I promise. But it's just a very nuanced thing because I like all four of these players individually. I think they're all going to be good NFL players. I don't think there's a bust in the group. Uh, if there is one, it's most likely Laporte just because tight end is so wild. Um, but what we saw from Gibbs, Campbell, and Branch in college leads me to believe that these guys are are ballers enough to play in, in the NFL. So it's weird to be like, I like the players. I don't like the draft. And so I understand where you're just like, they got four good players. Shut the hell up about it. But if their window is the next couple of years, I don't hate the draft as much. I'll always hit the Jameer Gibbs pick because you can replace what you get from Gibbs from some undrafted free agent later, 80% of it, right? You can try to hit Eckler again later in the draft, right? It's just too expensive for that. But if they think they're looking to win, in the next couple of years, 
the draft at least makes more sense. I still don't like it, but it's more reasonable. If they don't think their window is open, this draft is snap fireable for Brad Holmes, which is why I think he sees them as being ready to win. Well, I mean, I do think that the window went from closed with Rodgers in the division to open when he left the division and changed the, their mentality behind roster building and what they decided they wanted to do in bringing and, what's sorry, that and no other NFC team acquired a great quarterback. Right. It's still so, only Jalen Hurts. So they're all in in the back end, right? You bring in Gardner Johnson, you bring in Sutton. Um you know your your draft makes it look like we're just filling positions with good players who can help us right now inexpensively. Um it makes it seem like they believe that the window opened up for them yeah. earlier than the, I think earlier, maybe even a year earlier than what they had planned on. And I think a year earlier than you and I had planned down, which is why yeah, it's without a doubt, see it. without a doubt. But I think that we just, cause you said, Oh, we don't know what they're thinking or something like that. I think we can just observe their behavior and figure out what they're thinking from it. They think the window's open. I, I'm I'll declare it. I don't even need to ask Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell. I would just answer it for them. They think their window is open. They think they can win the Super Bowl this year. So that's the standard I'm going to hold them to. They need to win the division, win a playoff game, and lose the NFC title game or better than that because that's that's what they're telling us they're looking to do with a draft class like this. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's, And there's really nothing in the way of making that happen barring you know crazy injuries they're just but that's different. true for everybody right if Jalen yeah. Hurts gets hurt for now sure. the Lions windows even more open so yes you know, that, that's sure. true of everybody if Jared Goff gets hurt well GG but um <laughs> true <laughs> um yeah okay so I, was also, I mean going last thing for me okay go ahead go ahead the Bridgewater signing is another indication that they feel that way yes because it's not an auto L if uh he does get hurt yeah for a short time yeah um Okay, so this is the NFC North. I knew this one would go a little bit long because I knew we were going to end on the Lions. So we have two diehard Detroit Lions fans uh, here. Um, so I promise the East Division one won't go as long next week unless Aaron Rodgers looks terrible in the preseason game. The Scott and I will clown Cleve for two hours. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, so lions winning the north the nfc north the ravens winning the afc north seem pretty reasonable to me scott any other final thoughts final words final anything no no i think we're uh we're good we covered a lot we did all right thank you everybody for watching for watching please uh hit like and subscribe liking the video does really help us out if you're listening on audio still after two and a half hours thank you very much it is also a youtube live stream um you'll find the link down in the show notes um, everybody else, we will see you next week to discuss the Eastern Divisions. Peace. Peace.